Hi everyone, this is Molly, and before this show kicks off, there was something really quick that I just wanted to explain because this episode ended up turning out a little strange. So, what happened was Anthony and I got together about a week before TGS and we recorded a show, but it ended up being kind of a shorter show, and so what we thought was we would come back a few weeks later and do a second show this month to kind of I guess that would be next month, but, you know, whatever. Um, to kind of make up for the fact that our show was shorter. But then, as I'm getting ready to put the episode together and get it released, TGS happens. I should have been smart enough to have us wait until TGS had happened, but uh, I wasn't thinking they would come out. And then all these really big things came out of TGS that we wanted to talk about. So Anthony and I got back together on that Friday, and recorded a second part of this episode so when you listen it's gonna you're gonna hear what was to be a full and complete episode but i wanted to let you know that when that ends you know kind of stick around because there's still a lot left because we had these two separate pieces and just smushed them together into one bigger show so i hope you enjoy and ladies and gentlemen welcome back to a bite-sized Post PAX 2015 MGS5 Aftermath, still no Persona 5 release date episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. As you, the listener, are once again joined by myself, Anthony, alongside my Magica Madoka loving, <laughs> pink 3DS owning, been there, done that in the video game world co host, Molly. Yeah, I was trying to think of a thing to, to, to respond to. Um, I, like Atlas promises, Persona Five is this year, so I, I am I'm keeping them to that, and I'm getting worried because we still haven't seen a lot, and we still have no release date. But you know, well, they still got about ninety days to do it. That's that's crazy, isn't it? Wow. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I hadn't. I mean, I just I'm so lost in work that I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was that's that. It's now that late in the year, so like they've got to get something announced quick i would assume yeah uh i don't i I, I don't think it's coming in 2015 is it i hope it does Mm. not that we don't have enough to play but it would be nice to see persona 5 and uh before we delve further into this episode being episode 12 being recorded on the evening of september 12th it's also a very special day in that it's national video game day I didn't know that. I just read it this week, and it seems to be taking off today. I've seen numerous hashtags, and if I've seen it on the internet and social networking, it must be true. So, uh, happy National Video Game Day to you, Molly, and all the listeners around the globe. I, I feel like I'm wasting my day. I haven't played. I've played like a half hour video game today. <laughs> wow, I should have like celebrated or something. Like, who decides that? Like, who, who you know, because we don't have a video game king out there. So, who decided that today was National Video Game Day? <laughs> I don't know. We've got, uh, all I know is with the uh, the very serious nature and topic of 9-11, which was a mere 24 hours ago, that uh, uh, anniversary of being 14 years now, you know, we go from such a, a low in terms of uh, remembering that horrible day to such a high in National Video Game Day, and then in about another week or so, I dare say it's uh, Peace Day. 
Uh, uh, then Metal Gear should have come out on that day. No, well, you know what? That would we we can't metal Metal Gear aside. We can't even get the Big Mac and Whopper to come together for one day. You know, I yeah, like McDonald's really should have done that, and they they kind of (laughs) like I don't I think the the way they handled it just wasn't the way to do it. Right. I don't know. Like that was really. I mean, like part of you wants to say like, okay, yeah, Burger King. You know, they it's like a dare, right? You know. We dare you to help us make a hamburger, but yeah, you know McDonald's should have just stepped up and done it because they they wouldn't have looked bad, you know. They would have gotten a lot of goodwill and, and publicity and everything from it, and instead they kind of just chickened out. Yeah, they kind of poo pooed on uh, that idea. As I was saying, like you know, in a, in a really weird connection to nine eleven, um, it's 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 interesting to think about games that have ended up not coming out because of big events like that because uh, you know there was what propeller arena for dreamcast that ended up getting canceled oh wow you've got some memory because it, it was you know airplanes flying around you could crash them into buildings and stuff like that right and then later on on march 11th when the big japanese earthquake and tsunami happened uh that the just <sighs> disaster I'm, report yeah i was trying to think of which name to use disaster report technically <clears throat> disaster report four was had to come out like a month after that. And mm. they canceled it. And that game is now finally coming out. Oh, really? In the near future. Yeah. What format? I want to think it's PS3. PS- okay. Okay. But, mm. um, so yeah, I, I wonder like what other games have been out there that got canceled for those kind of reasons. Like something happened and then, you know, it got pushed back or, or just all out canceled. Because wasn't yeah. it, I wonder like I feel like something got delayed or something happened after one of like the school shootings. I don't know. It, yeah, that may be true. I, I was thinking of another canceled title, but it, I'm completely wrong. So it has nothing to do with any life event. Hmm. So I my my state of mind is in the wrong arena right now. But. Um, Spe- Real quick, speaking of these uh, these events, you know, we had nine eleven, and Japan had their three eleven with the uh, in the Fukushima area. But that area of Japan can't catch a break because I was looking in the last couple days in the northeastern section of Japan, getting hit with serious flooding. And I, if yep. I read the report correctly, nineteen inches of rain in twenty four hours. Yeah, I was actually because um, for those who don't know, my wife is from Japan and. So we were kind of looking at the internet last night and like reading up on some of the stuff that was going on over there. And yeah, it's, God, it's, 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 they keep getting hit by stuff like that. And it's also that in the, the, you know, New York World Trade Center area, both it's, it makes you kind of sad. I mean, this is getting really heavy, I guess, for a gaming podcast, but it makes you kind of sad at just like how long it takes to rebuild those areas right. and, and get them handled. And you know, Fukushima today is still, like, a scary kind of thing. Like, we don't completely know what's going on there with that reactor. Right. Well, I heard, I dare say, some of it took a hit again, and some of the uh, contaminated, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The water? Or Yeah, contaminated water, whatever you want to call it, spilled yeah, into the... Yeah, the coolant, the, yeah. Yeah, the ocean, and I think part of that area, and I dare say Sendai and a couple other spots up in that area got 
hit pretty hard. I just can't even, I can't wrap my head around 19 inches in 24 hours. So, do you want to hear a story that maybe I'm not supposed to tell, but I'm going to tell it anyway? Uh, this is world re- life event related or gaming? W- gaming. Okay. Because you mentioned Sendai. Okay. And Sendai is the company that was the owner of EGM back in the day. Oh, I... Okay, I, uh, that, that rings a bell. And this is Sendai in terms of it's not a coincidence on name. We're talking Sendai as in it's Sendai Japan. There's a well, connection. Well, yeah. So Steve Harris, the guy who started EGM... Okay. Uh, he named the company Sendai so that... You know, because back in the day, he was, like, trying to make connections with game companies and stuff. And back then, a lot of the game companies were Japanese. You know, the Western market still wasn't really a big thing on consoles. Uh, So he named the company Sendai so that when talking to Japanese companies, it would sound more Japanese. So that hopefully he would have a better chance of making connections there. That's kind of uh, brilliant. Did Did that work at the time? I think so. I mean, because like they got a lot of because they made the whole deal with Famitsu and stuff, and because um, wow. So that's why because you know it's funny because we were talking about this at work last week. Um, you know, for for people, I mean, anybody listening to the show should know what Famitsu is, but it's a giant, long running Japanese weekly gaming magazine. And if you look back at the history of game magazines in America, it's funny just how many of them like copied or stole elements from Famitsu. Because they were the ones who were doing the kind of multi-person reviews, right? And I, for one, at one time, and I was considerably younger, and I could be uh, retelling, you know, remembering history incorrectly. I dare say, at one point, I even used to kind of reference EGM as a sister publication to Famitsu. It, it, yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't as far as calling it a sister publication, but they did, they did have some connections and work together, and I think. From my remember of the conversations that EGM did have some rights to um, repurp- repurpose. Oh, okay. Famitsu content and stuff like that. But wow. so both EGM and GameFan did the multi-person reviews, very much like Famitsu. Uh, of course, EGM's legendary Sushi X, Famitsu had Taco X as one of the reviewers, <laughs> and then of course GameFan. Uh, you know, Famitsu has Neki, I think his name's Neki, Neki the Fox, their their mascot character, who they put into kind of different games and covers and stuff like that. And then, of course, GameFan had Monitor, who was put into games. And- you beat me to it. I, I Okay, yeah, you beat me to that story. Someone else told me that, and I was just going to ask you if that was true. Yep. Wow. So. You know, hey, you know, on this show in particular, we, we always seem to love to talk about GameFan, and uh, this is a perfect segue. I'm so glad you mentioned that magazine. You and I, I think, uh, whether we're the final two people on the planet that still talk about that magazine or not. No, no, no. <laughs> it's you would be surprised. It's 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 in a weird way. I feel like these days. Well, no, I guess not, not. That's not fair. But I was gonna say, I almost feel like sometimes that like people know Game Fan more than like EGM. Um, but that's maybe in kind of the circles I'm in. Right. But I still to this day have people talking about EGM. I mean, a Game Fan to me and. Being like, oh my god, you were that Shidoshi from Game <laughs> Fan and stuff like that. Well, not to rev up the uh, hyperbole here, but uh, this may be the f- the final time we discuss Game Fan potentially. That we've said that how many times already? <laughs> so, uh, in honor of that, 
I have the latest physical issue of Game Fan slash Destructoid. Hmm. Did you know about this? I did. I don't have the physical version. I don't know if I've even seen the physical version. I have a physical copy. Uh, I dare say it's already removed from the internets. And uh, I might be holding on to a uh, quite the collector's item. Might even go up more in value than my Diamond Dogs edition of MGS5. <laughs> uh, we'll get to later. So, in that, uh, I would love to read to listeners the editorial zone, uh, just as it is. Uh, I think it'll get some. Um, uh, it'll ignite some feedback from you. I think, uh, whether it be for a couple laughs or not. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going to go through this. So the editorial zone in the game fan. Destructoid issue one. This is written by Mr. Dave Halverson. And uh, I'm just going to roll right into it. You ready? Sure. So let's start with the little side text box before we get into the meat of it. And it says, two robots, one hot mag. First up, how (laughs) great it's. I got to I got to do this with a straight face. I got to do this. So you got to cut me a little bit of slack. Okay, wait, wait. So this is not the ed zone. It's like some like a side thing. No, this is this is the editorial zone. But when you look at the editorial zone, the several paragraphs that are there above it, there's a little uh, uh, box with a it's almost like if you were like in a word document, you put insert text box on the page and you put like a little aside, we'll call it. Well, that was like the um, what was it in the last issue? Where it had those two really weird, like... Oh, they're back. Animal characters. <laughs> and then it had just some... This might be the whole podcast, right? Bizarre now. piece of text. I've, I've got it. I know this is... I know, like, doing things like this is bad for podcasting, but I've got to look this up. So I know I posted it. It's the, the bulldog. The yeah, bulldog, bulldog is back. and, like, the little fox guy. No, I don't see the fox at the moment. What was the text on that? And I was making a joke. I'm like, I didn't know Nick Rocks was running Game Fan. <laughs> Um, what was the text? Oh, because it was so weird. Like it was just like out of. Well, you're gonna have a lot more material if you let me get through. You're you're gonna forget no. about. You're gonna completely forget. I've about. I've got to have almost found it here. You know what? Go ahead. I'll 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 find it. So two robots, one hot mag. What? First up, how great is this? Destructoid and GameFan coming together to create a new kind of magazine that brings the best of our respective mediums to light in an ever-changing barrage of co-op periodicals. Working side-by-side with the one and only website I've frequented through the years... Hang on, hang on, hang on. (laughs) Ever-changing barrage of co-op magazines makes it sound like there's there's more than this out there. Like, offhand, what, what... co-op magazines can you name i mean i i, I do love um you know uh mac world slash better homes and gardens that was a pretty good you know crossover i hope you and i aren't the only ones that are getting enjoyment at anyway this. i'm sorry go ahead i think we're doing this show for ourselves yeah, it is we're just yes we're the only listeners and i, and I don't even i don't even listen to it so that's, that's pretty bad it says uh moving along here I'm happy to report they're every bit as dedicated, adventurous, and unzipped as I'd hoped they'd be. As pleased as I am with our inaugural, uh, inaugural effort, trust me, we're just getting started. So I, 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 I think I think um, <laughs> Dave's autocorrect 
changed only to inaugural, but that's the kind of mistake you should pick up when you're proofreading. So here we go. We're getting into the real deal, the meat of it. This is approximately, we'll say seven paragraphs. So this will probably take me about three to five minutes to read. It says, As I unwrapped my copy of Batman Arkham Knight, as much as I was looking forward to the Exploring the open world Gotham, I was also extremely excited about playing as Harley Quinn in her very own story pack. Of course. All 20 minutes of it. 40 plus hours and one major league psychotic break later, as thoroughly impressive as every inch of my initial playthrough was, the second I took control of Harley, all I could think about was how amazing a game of this breadth would be as her as the lead. Shame it will never happen. Why? Because Harley has partially exposed breasts? Even though when it comes to gaming, that's akin to a first-person puppy shooter. I doubt it. It's more likely because she's a woman. As much as I hate to imply it, if it chortles maniacally, it's probably Joker. (laughs) I was so (laughs) tired. I don't even know what's going on. Here. Okay, it was, so, it was so tough for me to get that. Out. I have to first say, um, <laughs> I, I love that that he that that anybody would measure their gaming experience in inches. I can't think of the last time I've, I've measured my, you know, like, oh man, Persona was a great five thousand four hundred inches of gaming. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say, but I don't even I don't even understand what he just said. So wait, first person <laughs> puppy. Uh, so it says, let me go. I don't. So I'm, do, I'm doing my best, so, so I'll go back a couple sentences. It yes, says, please. Yes. So let's go back. So I'll do it again to make sure I didn't misread. I'm confident I got it right. Okay. So we'll go back to <clears throat> 40 Page. plus hours. Yes. And one major league psychotic break later. Okay. As thoroughly impressive as every inch of my initial playthrough was. See, okay, se- wait, wait, I'm sorry. You could say every inch of the game's world. <laughs> Playthroughs can't be measured in inches. (laughs) The second I took control of Harley, all I could think about was how amazing a game of this breadth would be Mm -hmm. with her as the lead. Mm -hmm. Shame it will never happen. Why? Because Harley has partially exposed breasts? Even though when it comes to gaming, that's akin to a first-person puppy shooter. I doubt it. It's more likely because she's a woman. As much as I hate to imply it, if it chortles maniacally, it's probably Joker. I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Cause is he saying, okay. It gets. <laughs> is he saying that she won't get her own game? I'm assuming he's saying she won't get her own game because maybe because of her. Um, buxom or voluptuous looks coinciding with it being a female lead. So first of all, has he ever seen video gaming? (laughs) Like how many games are out there that have that as as like the female character? Wait, wait, you ready? I'll get ready. And you got to promise you can't snicker because I'll botch this whole thing up. Okay. Notice a shortage of ripped muscle heads that spray bullets and murder for sport? Realistic, interactive torture, all-out painstakingly recreated war, 
In the land of internet porn so odious it would make Matahari blow chunks, there are as common as setting the VTR, yet you can count the number of compelling new female protagonists on one hand. Why is it that every time a cool female character emerges, people are so quick to judge? Now, mind you, before you chime in, there was like a, it sounded like I, I said an error, but I read it word for word. So there is a part where he says, let's rewind. It says, it would make Mata Hari, that's spelled M-A-T-A space H-A-R-I, blow chunks. There are as common. So I'm assuming it maybe should have been they are as common. Yeah. As and, setting the VTR. What VTR? <laughs> Did he mean VCR? Did he mean DVR? I mean, VTR is like a Japanese term. Like I'm, I'm sweating. Mean, yeah, DVR, VCR. What is a VTR? So I'm gonna move along, not beca- just because there's enough content here. That there's better stuff. So okay. take quiet from the upcoming Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, for instance. One of a handful of NPC buddies you can bring along for support as you embark on missions. She's not even playable. And people freaked because she's wearing a bikini top. Have these people ever seen or been to a beach? Is it because it doesn't make sense as body armor? She's supernatural. She can freaking disappear. Maybe that's why she wears it. Maybe phase shifting is really hard in an overcoat. Or maybe she's just hot, as in from the sun. Either way, I'm pretty sure all will be revealed once we don't play her. I, you know, I, um, I mean, like, I don't necessarily disagree. Like, I, 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 I think he's not great at making I, his point. I know. But like, like, quite a character I don't have any problem with, and I, and <clears throat> that's because I'm so used to. Like, you know, people who are are upset about Quiet, it's it's kind of the question is, you know, have they ever played a Metal Gear Solid game in their life? Like, <laughs> right. have they not seen that Kojima <clears throat> is just right. mentally weird? And, and right. he goes off on these crazy... You know, this is the this, this series that has had, you know, like a, a, a gay vampire and a girl who just can avoid bullets because of luck or something you know? or like and controlling the i can't remember the technical term but yeah controlling in the in the atmosphere whatever it is and yes yeah the, and i a, know exactly yeah a, a, fortune a fat, a fat guy with bombs on roller skates and like a guy who controls <laughs> a guy who controls bees. when you say it like when you say it like that yeah yeah so i mean like and in mgs3 i think there was a dream with there was a homosexual driven dream with was it Rykov and Raiden? Yeah, I mean, and I'm not making that up. And that mm-hmm. might have been in the subsistence edition of MGS3. Yeah, I mean, th- there have been enough things in that series that if you, you remember... Like, there's so much to remember that yeah. you need an encyclopedia to yes. to get it right. But yeah, And, and so, I mean, there, there, was, there was literally one point where Solid Snake told Raiden and the people playing the game that he had infinite ammo because of a headband. So, you know, when you, have, when you have games like that, like, I can't get upset about Quiet, you know, if it was, anyway. Right. Anyway. So and, I, not so to, and not to just, and not to just agree to agree, I'm, I'm with you so far. Yeah. What I see in Quiet isn't a clever ploy to get 13-year-old boys to line up come September. 
Hideo Kojima needs gratuitous breastage to pedal the latest Metal Gear like I need a sequel to Bubsy 3D. Oh, he wants that. Shut up, Dave. You know you want that. Dave loves critters. Don't tell me he doesn't want Bubsy. I knew Bubsy. I see a provocative, wonderfully devised supporting character to whom there is obviously more than meets the eye. Do I find her state of dress appropriate to the events of the game? No. But that's what intrigues me, because I know there's a reason behind it. And whatever that reason is, it will be as profound or enigmatic as Kojima, one of gaming's greatest designers, decrees it. What irks me is that people are so quick to judge over something as silly as a bikini top. Look, I'm not searching for the female equivalent of male gaming heroes. That would equate to gun-toting babes defined by their balloon-shaped double Ds. So, hell no. I'm just looking for some level ground and variety. Because hot or not, which is completely subjective. I think that female characters by and large are more interesting than the typical if it moves, shoot it, male. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish. So there's there's two paragraphs left. This isn't about bikinis or or especially exploitation. Women have breasts. Get over it. This is about trepidation. A reluctance to change for fear of fanning the flames of hate and ignorance that spread so very flagrantly online and the potential repercussions. Which is sad because... Judging by the rationale of the online banter, the majority of naysayers probably don't vigorously pursue and consume new games. So little time, so much discontent. Whether it's a character like Melissa McCarthy's in Spy, which I'd prefer over any number of utterly predictable covert op retreats, or a laugh-riot psychopath like the wonderfully zany but oh-so-deadly Harley Quinn, It's time for gaming to wake up and smell something other than gunpowder and Axe body spray. Give the heroes a break and call in the heroines and throw in a couple more anthromorphs for good measure. I'm shocked. I'm I'm shocked and surprised. I don't know what to say. Um, is is that that the end? Yeah, that was, uh, I'm wishing I had more. Okay, so so first of all, Kojima's a pervert. Like, everybody knows Kojima's a pervert. Like, if you go through all the Metal Gear games, like, all the nudie mags hanging around and, like, you know, he's a, like, Sniper Wolf with her, you know, jacket open in the middle, and then Meryl seeing her in her panties and stuff. Like, he's a pervert, you know? I mean, like, you just know that. So don't try to explain, like, quiet as anything more you know, grand than the fact that he wanted to have a girl out there with her boobs out. That's fine though. I'm saying that's fine, but let's, you know, call a spade a spade here. Right. Don't try to, don't try to come up with some convoluted reasoning for the simple fact that, Hey, look, this is what I like. Yes. And second of all, I do not for a second buy that Dave did not want female characters to have a <laughs> on them. I'm sorry. Dave, Dave and I have long had <clears throat> a connection in our love for female characters, but they come from very, very different places. And I am not like this is not me making fun of Dave Halverson. This is right. me stating actual fact: is that Dave <laughs> loves female characters and he loves them when they're half dressed. That is, 
not a surprise whatsoever. So now, while not half dressed, we'll, we'll give maybe a half an ounce of credit. the The cover of the game fan side sports Horizon Zero Dawn, which shows the female lead across from that like cyber cyber organic enemy or whatever. So he did he did find a way to get another female lead on his cover. And if you know what, if Dave listens to this podcast and he thinks I am being unfair to him, I want to remind him that he is a man who ran a company who released magazines called Girls of Gaming <laughs> that had naked pictures of game characters in them. So that I had to do the layout for. So, well, I'll tell you the other. I'm going to tell you one last stunning thing now that the fans will not get. This will not hit fans as much as it will you. And I need to make this 100% clear to you because this is going to shock you more than the editorial zone I just read. Okay. And what I'm about to regurgitate could be very inaccurate. And so don't quote me on it. And it was from an anonymous source. But I remember you being impressed with the Destructoid side of the mag from a layout perspective in terms of it being different. You, Whether it be a cleaner look design-wise, you were, you were pretty taken by it. Yeah, I, I think I know where you're going. So I will say my piece on that as soon as you've made your point. I didn't believe what someone had told me. And I think it was just a matter of that person not knowing who had, quote, done that side. But the person alleged, and certainly not sticking up for him, that it could have been the quote game fan people that did that side as well. Oh, not not I in terms of not in terms of the uh, to make this clear, the destructoid people in terms of the the content and the writing. That's that's all done. That's none of my business. That's I'm not discrediting that. But but Molly and I were trying to figure out if they had anything to do with the actual layout and design of that forty pages of the magazine. What I was told is the person said that they didn't know and they felt that that was – they had no knowledge of Destructoid actually laying that side out. But I found that very challenging to believe. I – yeah. <clears throat> like it's really, really hard for me to believe that. Because so the the whole deal was really interesting the first – you know. I mean we saw this kind of in a, in a, in a way done with the – relaunch of game fan the first time around when it had movie fan as the other which was like maybe back in 2010 now which is shocking like half yeah, a decade yeah, 2010. ago yeah so you'd have game fan and if you act if you physically flipped the magazine over the other side had what's called movie fan and you right. were you were reading the game fan side upside down but the movie fan side right side up if that makes sense and right. so it's kind of like two magazines in one and um so i mean that so that idea wasn't like foreign to, to game fan and to Dave, but I thought this was a really weird connection. And I tried to think about like why you would work together with Structoid on this. And obviously, I mean, the, the thought was you want to get game fan in front of Destructoid's readers and hope that they are big enough fans of Destructoid that they will want to pick up this magazine in order to read the Destructoid content and then also read the game fan content and hopefully become subscribers to game fan. That makes sense. But the problem I had is when I looked at the issue, because I have, I have a free digital subscription to it, um, the quality difference between the game fan portion and the Destructoid portion is 
like shockingly wide there you know the game fan portion looks poorly laid out the you know as, as somebody who has done print layout as somebody who has done you know magazine design and things like that um the game fan side is just it's it's kind of a, it's a mess just all all across the board like it's not well designed it's not well put together it's very very simplistic in all of its layouts so you then know, you get to the destructoid side and it's totally different it's a totally different style totally different design aspects and i mean it's got just the mentality of the design is so so different so it the only way i could imagine the only way i could believe that and i I don't know i don't know i don't know who does the the layouts for game fan the only way i could believe that the exact same person is doing both and i I also don't believe that they have game fan has more than one layout guy or gal um would be if the game fan side is really strictly decided by Dave in terms of visual style, and the dis- then the Destructoid side was left up to that layout person's discretion. That's the only way I could believe. Oh, that. I see. Right. Because if if you're talking on equal ground, just the Destructoid layouts are so much better, so much more interesting, so much better in terms of flow and readability and all that kind of stuff than the, the game fan ones are. They're completely different. And that's part of why I thought it was a huge mistake to do the Destructoid stuff. Because, and again, like, I, I know it's going to sound like I'm just sitting here bashing on Dave and I don't mean to, but um, Dave's always had this kind of thing where his thought is a bunch of reviews, a bunch of previews, some interviews, and that makes a magazine. You know, And even back when I was a game fan, I was always trying to push us to do different things an anime fan have different kinds of sections and different content and really have a bigger variety and i think dave's never been a guy who goes after that kind of huge variety of content but you get to the destructoid section and it's really different stuff and really really interesting stuff and i think that when you put those two together it made the game fan side look really bad because the, the Starkdoid side, the layouts were better, the writing was better, the content was better, just everything was better. And so I thought it was a horrible idea because if I picked up that magazine and looked through it, I would not think I want to buy Game Fan. I would think I just want to buy a Destructoid magazine and that's it. So I thought right from the start, as soon as I saw this, this issue, that this was a big, big mistake to make. Well, it's it's interesting, you know. I don't have the education or smarts to in terms of layout and design. You know, um, there are certain things I can pick up on. You know, having a pea brain that the pea brain that I do, like I still remember differences between like the the seriousness of next gen versus the old days of game fan versus uh, play magazine. I thought was really really good. Um, this. The game fan side rekindles a bit of the old GF, I think, to try and give it a little bit of credit. You know, in some ways, it's superior to old school game fan. But we're talking that was 20 plus years ago. Fast forwarding to late 2015, almost in 2016, I get what you're saying from a modernized standpoint with the Destructoid. Um, This is going to be the dumbest statement I ever make. You know, it's too bad. Everything is about the dollar and ad revenue and whatnot, because I do think Destructor could have an interesting uh, publication because of what they showed here. 
But, yeah, uh, I, I totally think so. Um, I mean, it's not like... I'm not saying the Destructoid content is super, super great. And there are a few occasions in their layouts where I can see little signs of that game fan side. But right. um, it's got, you know, like, I mean, just, you see small things like the, the consistent headers at the top that kind of tell you, like, what sections that you're in. The, the way text is just formatted and laid out. Yes, that that's the biggest thing. I'd say the layout of the text, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Because, it, I mean, like, like one thing you'll see on the game fan side, which drives me crazy, is you'll see a lot of times um, if there's, like, a text box, you'll see the text bumping up against the edge of that box. Or you'll see text from one section kind of bumping up against another section and things like that. And those are big, like, don't do's in, in layout. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I don't know. Like it just they, they the sections look so different. And then, like I said, the the content is uh, the structure. is like it's not just reviews and previews. It's a lot of just kind of That's, feature stuff. That was the other big thing. So they really tried to do unique content and articles. Uh, to name a few for listeners who obviously don't have the visual, uh, you and I have. There's a nice article on Mother entitled "How I Met Your Mother." They've got stuff on Street Fighter Five. Uh, there's a very in-depth and meaty. Uh, piece on Smash Brothers. I dare say, with uh, you know, game playing tips and information that I know a lot of heart and soul went into. It's a Super Smash Brothers mini guide. Uh, they did that, and then there's the exclusive interview with uh, Igarashi for Bloodstained. So it's uh, it's a <clears throat> action packed forty pages. And um, before we move on, I don't know if you want. It won't take me as long as Dave. You know. If you want, I can read prob- what's probably going to be the one and only Destructoid Ed Zone. Uh, from the editor, this was written by Jonathan Holmes. Welcome to the premiere issue of Destructoid Magazine. Video games are the fastest evolving medium in history. A mere 20 years ago, arcades were still big money enterprises dedicated. Handheld mobile game consoles were still in their infancy. And the prospect of playing a game that looks and sounds like a movie seemed unfathomable. This was also a time before Google when Netscape Navigator sat alongside AOL as most people's web browser of choice. Back then, it might have taken you five minutes before everything on an image-heavy website might completely load. Those tech limitations of old did a lot to help game magazines maintain their dominant role in the industry. But those with foresight guessed that it would not be long until the World Wide Web took their place. Flash forward to 2015 and things are in more of a state of flux than ever before. Arcades are more or less dead, but the pay-to-play model of game design that once drove the arcade industry is alive and well on mobile markets. Games that look like movies are now commonplace. And many of today's film directors often cite games as a major influence. Despite that, the most popular games in the world, Minecraft, Candy Crush, and Puzzle and Dragons, look nothing like movies and probably can run on last generation hardware. Much of this would have been hard to predict. But at least one prophecy of the 90s has come true. Most of the old game magazines are long gone, killed off by game blogs. In fact, now it's the game blogs who are in danger of being killed off by YouTube, 
vloggers, pundits, and let's players. In all of this, there has been one constant. People love video games. While some may try to deny it, I've seen the powerful effect that video games can have on people's thoughts, emotions, identities, and behaviors firsthand, many times over the years. Some have even told me that games have helped save their lives, and I believe them. Knowing this makes me sure that video game magazines still have a place in the market today. That may not sound logical, but the cool thing about love is that it often wins against logic. When I open up an old issue of GameFan, it feels like I'm holding a physical love letter to gaming in my hands. Even if it's an issue from 20 years ago, where everything on the surface is different, that underlying love for games is still there, and it hasn't changed a bit. We want this magazine to make you feel truly connected to other people who love games just as much as you do. It's our goal to make sure this magazine deserves a permanent place in your physical game collection alongside your art books, strategy guides, and all the other physical reflections of your relationship with the medium. Feel free to let us know how we're doing at jonathanatdestructoid.com subject line gamefan slash detoid mail. Thanks so much, Video Game Romantic Destructoid. So I want you to turn real quick. I know this is bad for radio, but uh, turn to page 43 real quick of the game. Okay, one, one moment. You said 43? Yep. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. So on the, on that page, do you see any, like, layout-wise, just do you instantly see anything wrong? Well, let's uh, see maybe something. So page 42, which would be the left-hand side of the publication, there is the ending of a comic. Page 43 is the last page of the game fan side. Oh, wait, wait, is it? So maybe they switched some stuff. Okay, yeah, because... Which I kind of thought when I saw this. So that's interesting. Because I, yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at the digital version right now. Uh, are you talking the game fan side or the destructoid side? Game fan side. My bad. Yes. So page 43 on the game fan side. Oh, so that I didn't realize that that's that's horrible for them to have been differently numbered. <laughs> oh no 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 is no is it yeah. okay? I'm sorry. Physically, do you flip it over like you did? It's like fan? the old school movie fan. Okay, game okay, fan. that makes yep. sense then. Okay, okay. So if I'm looking at page forty three of the game fan side, I'm looking at Recore. Yes. Um. So now, what do you test me to see? What, what do I think visually well, is wrong? Because I because when I see this right away. I'm assuming it has to do with the text. I'm assuming no. It's, I'm no. It's it's the fact that that they cut off the main character of the game. Oh, <laughs> they cut off her head on the layout. Like that is uh. just like layout 101 of what you don't do. <laughs> because if 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 that image doesn't work in the background, you find a different image or you change the layout. <laughs> like that's horrible. Uh, yeah, my eyes were... The reason I went to the text first, not to make excuses, is if you look on the left page, 42, it lines up more. But then once you go to 43, you know, it's it's one's towards the left, one's towards the right. But I see exactly what you're saying. As yeah, soon as you started saying it... Uh, yeah. And then with Gears, you see, like, how close that text is to, like, the edge of that box they have it in. Right. Like, that's just... Like, that's a lot of that stuff is just really basic things you just don't do. 
Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, not not to harp on this, but, yeah, if you see the GF43, the numbering, how close that comes. Yep. And then if you look on page 42, there's about maybe half an inch gap versus maybe a, not even a millimeter. And the, yeah, the left side has, like, a, a black bar, the right side doesn't. So, I mean, like, there's just, like, yeah. tons of little things like that, that that someone like me goes through this and just – it drives me crazy. Right. But, I mean, you know – like I talked about this before, but I'm I'm mixed. Like I never thought Game Fan should come back. You know, I've obviously I have a lot of very strong memories of that magazine. A lot of people do, but you know, I have them especially because of having worked there. And I was just really sad to see it brought back because I knew this was going to happen to it. And I'm not saying it's all Dave's fault. It's just the fact that like he doesn't have the budget or the staff to do what needs to be done with Game Fan. And if he did then Game Fan could have been brought back and you could have had something really interesting. Like, I think that the late era of play, to me, felt the closest like we've been to having Game Fan come back. Uh, yes, I had this conversation with someone else privately, and um, I'll repeat myself because the fans haven't heard it. So, you know, always looking through rose-tinted glasses, and it's not a knock. I mean, I do enjoy it. Like, I love talking about the old Game Fan, and it'll always be my favorite gaming publication of all time. But as an adult, looking back on it, when you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at Play Magazine, a f- few different reasons. Play Magazine was more mature. It wasn't quite next generation, but it was more mature enough. It still had the flavor of Game Fan. At one point in Play's tenure, it comprised a lot of the classic Game Fan staff who were there, more there mature. There were yeah, six, six people in the old staff. So, and the, the other big thing, too, is... Uh, for maybe almost nine years, eight or nine years, I dare say play was never late. You had full 12 issue runs each year. Yep. And I mean, I don't want to speak out of both ends of my mouth and now knock a game fan, but there's a lot of things that play did that game fan can't say that it had done in terms of the consistency, yep. the maturity. The articles really, like, everything, you know, it improved. But it still had that gamer flavor. It wasn't too serious or too dry. So, I mean, in hindsight, you know, taking the fandom away, I would have to say Play Magazine might have been, for me, the greatest gaming publication. Boy, that's that's a big statement to make. If I, for people listening, if they think, okay, so, okay. If I didn't pick Game Fan or Play... I would pick the first two, three plus years, maybe four, two, three years, next generation. Moder- I, liked, I, I liked the next gen. I really did. Yeah. Next gen, especially when it started, was phenomenal. Present day in 2015, I've probably said this a million times. Right now, I would probably give the award for the last five to eight years, probably Retro Gamer. That's my opinion. That's That's... Retro gamer out of the UK, that is. I also like um, games out of the UK. Like, I think Games is a really good magazine. Those publications are excellent as well. Games, TM, uh, Edge, uh, they do some nice work as well, all coming out of the UK. Um, oh, the fox, will, is, the fox is gone. The Bulldog's here, but the Fox is gone. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened? Did, did he eat the Fox? I don't... I, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, and and uh, I I noticed oh this is so weird that like under contributing editors, most of the contributing editors are the, are the destructive people. 
Oh, on the uh, on the GF side. Yeah, that that wow. looks bad too. Wow, crazy. Said, I mean, you know, I said if game fans can exist, then I really wish Dave had the staff and the money to do it properly. Because yeah. said, just seeing it like this, it's you know what you know what it's, it's like. Uh, Let me say this about Dave, and this is coming from an outsider, and I've, we've seen there's reports online, the blogs, the what have you. You've been through it firsthand. Is the one thing, to, if, to, to give this guy any sort of an ounce of credit, the one thing I would say that is true about him, and you correct me if I'm wrong, he is a gamer. Oh, yeah. He is, he is passionate. He, I mean, I will never take that away from him. Like, he loves gaming, and even though he sounds like he is a complete maniac in some of the things he writes, <laughs> like, he is writing it because he loves gaming, and, and, and he really believes those things. And, right. And when he sits there and defends a game like that, was it Golden Golden Axe, Axe Beast, Beast Rider? Rider? Oh, my God, you're thinking the exact same thing I was going to say. Um, he did that because he honestly loved that game so you can never take that away from him and you can say i completely disagree with him and think his his opinions are are terrible but they aren't coming from anything but his absolute love and passion for gaming right um but what i was gonna say was you know this reminds me of like when you have that band you love when you're young and then like 20 years later they do a reunion tour or you know let me let me switch it to something we understand <clears throat> like NWO, <laughs> right? Right. NWO was this gigantic thing, WCW. It was this amazing thing. It it broke ground. It did revolutions and stuff. <clears throat> and then the years and years go by, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, Vince is like, "I'm bringing NWO back," and you're like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be so amazing to have the NWO in WWE." You know, this is going to be just crazy. And it comes back and it's just kind of sad and old. And it's it, it's not, you know, it's just like, oh, I really didn't want this after all. You know, because you you can't ever recapture that specialness that existed before. And because it's just it's just impossible. Like you said, you have these old guys with gray hair now and they're not like these cool rebels anymore. You can't force it. You can't, you can't catch lightning in a bottle twice and you can't try to force recreate it. It has to happen naturally. Yeah. So th- this Paul, is kind of yeah, this is kind of like having NWO come back or like seeing your favorite band like 20 years later and they're just like a bunch of old guys on stage and stuff and Right. It's it's rough. It's yeah. rough. It 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 tarnishes uh some of the memory. And that's why play, I think play is better because play was its own thing and it got to try its own territory and it didn't have to live under this kind of shadow of legacy of, of what it had been before. Right. Who, let me ask you this since we're on the magazine topic yet again on the generic video game podcast uh, as we are in our pushing our 18th month uh, recording. I want to thank our fans for sticking through and through and giving the positive words on social networking. But back on Play Magazine real quick. You guys did a lot of wonderful <clears throat> comic book uh, artist covers for every from the likes of Joe Mad to tons of other people in the industry, exclusively, yeah. you know, the Persona cover. Who put all who did all that? Was that just a cumulatively everyone putting the effort in and different contacts along the grapevine? Yeah, it was different stuff. I mean, like it it goes from everything from you know, certain games just okay. What what content do they have? You know, right. uh, we just need as many for the cover. So let's see what art they have. To like Persona Four, um, 
you know, oh my God, I'm uh, Soejima. Like he he did the art custom for us. Right. And that's the only place that art has ever existed. I think I'm one of the few people in life who actually has like the the just raw art by itself with no wow. logos or text or anything. Wow. Um, <clears throat> then we had like you know Robert Duenez and, and Joe Mad and some other artists that we right. just had connections with or knew or whatever and and had them do covers. <clears throat> so yeah, it's the only thing about that is that uh, I kind of don't like that per se because then there's no consistency to what the I, art you know the cover's gonna be like I, I i wish it would either be a different artist every single issue and go with that or have it be all oh in-house art or have it be all um you know company renders or something like that so there's a little more consistency there well let me get a few things in uh here real quick before we move along um first of all from a fan perspective i loved it but once again from the professional view which i respect i get where you're coming from uh, with that being said, uh, on the topic of art, real quick, uh, in the coming weeks or next couple months, I'm going to try and be realistic. You should hopefully, as fans, see some uh, new awesome art coming to the likes of radio.morningproject.com for the Generic Video Game Podcast by way of Mr. Terry Wolfinger. We've been saying it for a very long time. We're going to get it out there right now. He will be back on for DLC Pack 3 in our October recording in a few weeks. So Terry Wolfinger Part 2, DLC Pack 3, coming to radio.morningproject.com soon. And look out for some more of his awesome art, uh, which has gotten better and better over the years. He never stops learning and outdoing himself. You should see that soon. So wanted to say that. Uh, going back to Joe Mad real quick, ironically, uh, did you happen to catch on Kickstarter that it looks like Battle Chasers is trying to get realized yes, as that. a video game? Yeah. So um looks awesome. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see a ton of it, but what I saw looked really cool. And did it not seem like a Diablo 3 clone, which by all means is badass, but did it not look like be- uh, Battle Chasers? Skinned over a Diablo three esque game. Yeah, I was gonna say it either looked like a like a strategy RPG or kind of like a dungeon crawler like that because it had the kind of um, three fourths perspective. I think when I was looking right. at the screenshots of it. So. One of one of the things I liked is sometimes when you have a view like that, sometimes you de- you you don't get to appreciate as much of the detail due to one's vantage point. But from some of the stuff I saw with the the battle chasers work, at least in the concept stage, it looked like Joe Mad style of art still came through. So uh, yep. <clears throat> awesome! So that's underway. And uh, also, we'll get uh, since we're on the topic of plugs, and we've got a bout. 15 minutes left of record time this evening. I want to thank Molly for taking time out of her day, getting this episode put together. Uh, She's been doing the real work out in the trenches in the gaming field. I've been doing the work at the office, the sweatshop, what I do day to day. Our uh, schedule's finally crossed. We wanted to get something out there to fans. Uh, So while we only have a few more minutes left this evening, we will be back soon. Yeah, I was say, we we can do another show, like, very short you know sure like if if anthony's free maybe like two weeks or so that way we can kind of make up for this one being shorter yeah because it's just like my time's been just like <clears throat> i had packs and had to come back and then had to get a a print issue done and then i'm out working on another kind of issue thingy and just a lot of stuff so and uh don't don't forget find this on twitter you can find myself anthony at 24 bit aje the number two the number four b-i-t-a-j-e 
Find my one and only co-host Molly on Twitter at M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. And also the whole morning radio family on Twitter at M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. And as has been said numerous times earlier, radio.morningproject.com. And in another uh, of our podcasts, we'll also be getting new cover art soon. Oh, what would that be? Uh, Nichiest. Ooh. Yes, I'm working uh, on the, that getting that done as we speak. So. Oh, awesome. I know you guys have been doing a lot of stuff lately. I figured it would be a Nichiest. I know there's a, a rabid, uh, loyal, and fun and exciting fan base there. Uh, seems like there's a lot of loyal supporters. It's interesting on the radio network. It seems like each respective podcast, there's some crossover. And at the same time, uh, each one is kind of angled towards its own audience. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of I think that like if you like one and you haven't tried the other ones, you should try whatever, whatever one you haven't listened to. Because I mean, we do cover different topics, but they all kind of look at I think the less appreciated side of gaming, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, just so it's uh, not chopped liver. You're still doing your work with uh, Joe Negron on Smart Video Game Fan, correct? I am. So that's a long time running uh, oh, it's been, podcast. Oh, it's been for like, at this point, how long has it been? Like it's got to be at least years? five, six years, yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I, I was looking at because I have my things listed on LinkedIn, and I was looking at LinkedIn the other day and just being scared at like how long some of these things have been going on for. Because that... Uh yeah, May two thousand nine is when we started that. Yeah, that's amazing. So congratulations on that. We both know how challenging it is to keep it, you know, to take part, uh, whether it be in a team or keep a podcast going through the years. Uh, so smart video game fan, really uh, one of the early uh, gaming podcasts out there. Well, you know, it's funny because I mean, the first podcast I ever did was two thousand six. So almost, almost like ten two thousand five, two thousand six. So I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 weird to think back to those days when you were just doing these little things called podcast. I mean, because I remember when podcasts weren't even on the iTunes store, you know. Right. And then that was a super big deal when that happened. And now, just like podcasting, is just it's just so it's, it's like it's, um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like it's. I mean, just like you don't even think about it anymore because it's just such a normal part of life. <laughs> So this is what I'm going to do. we got about 10, 11 minutes left. I'm going to blaze through some tidbits. Uh, I wanted, to, for fans, I wanted to get in depth about Metal Gear Solid Five a bit this evening as well as Super Mario Maker. While time is not going to allow that this evening, I will say for Metal Gear fans, if you haven't done so already, go out. You won't be disappointed. There is a ton of content in Metal Gear Solid Five, of which I've only maybe scratched 5 to 10% of that. I put about 12 hours in. Um, definitely worth your time. Super Mario Maker, I've put about a day into it, a recent release. Uh, I'm loving it so far. I don't want to blow this out of proportion. It'll be much more interesting in a few weeks if I still, uh, if I'm as in love with it as I am right now. I will say it could certainly be a Game of the Year candidate, or at least maybe if not a Game of the Year, uh, how about a product? Uh, Maybe if we had a category for a product of the year um, or tool. So um, I wanted to throw that out there. So yeah, because if if we wait on Metal Gear, then I might have a chance to play it by that point. So we can talk about that later. Yeah. And then um, it's it's funny because I've been watching because we have uh, Mario Maker in, in the office and we've been doing live streams for it and things like that. And just sitting there like watching people make stages or or play stages. Like I've never been a super huge 
um, Super Mario fan, but just like watching this game, I really want it. There's a lot of different, you know, I feel like you can do the making aspect, which I'm not great at at least yet, and I still have to unlock a lot of the pieces, so that will change in time. Um, what I like is let's, I don't want to use the word bored, like let's say you get a little burnt out, like you've been making stuff for a half hour, 45 minutes, and you're like, you know what, I kind of just want to play right now, I, I don't have the, the mental strength to, to do any more in this right now. You have other options for levels that are in the game that were done by various creators. You can go to the download section for the hundreds, if not thousands, of levels from around the globe that are readily available. Uh, there's various Mario challenges. So you do have a multitude of options in this title at your fingertips, So, which I like, especially for the ADD-style gamer in me. I feel like I can kind of juggle and go back and forth, maybe spark new ideas or... It's interesting when you're creating, it makes you look at the levels differently when you play them, trying to figure out what they may have been thinking or stuff that may be perceived as simple or you take as second nature gives you a whole new view. Um, I've said it over the years that the, the Mario games have had wonderful design. This really backs it up because now you realize that that's not easy. Like you can... A baby could put a, a level together in Mario Maker because of the intuitive nature, the simplicity of the interface. But in terms of making a memorable or great level, that's where you realize it's an art and it takes talent or at the very least it takes time. So it's um, this game I feel is a great tool and gets the brain going. And it also proves Mario's worth, in my opinion, that those games weren't accidents or flukes or one-trick ponies or didn't have the right depth or thought put into it this kind of proves everything so it's it's a great piece of software yeah and uh as we close out here i don't know i'm just gonna rapid fire some stuff see what if you've got any comments uh, on some of this stuff and we can get into it more later yeah because i i have one that if you don't hit on it um i definitely want to bring up but. so i'm just gonna wrap it down so okay resident evil 2 remake um Cool. I, I, I don't... I've never gotten the love for RE2. I, I think it's a good game, but it's like everybody talks about like that being the best in the series, and I don't agree. But it's exciting, and it, it'll actually hopefully... You know, because RE1 remake was really just a GameCube version up So this will actually be properly made for HD right. consoles, which is, is way exciting. So here, I'm just going to go down. This is the game we're going to play. I'm going to say it, and you just give me a sentence <laughs> or two and see what... Uh, Mega Man live action movie. I had a dream <laughs> when I was younger of a Mega Man live action movie with Christian Slater being Mega Man. I will never Fi- get that. I will never get that dream accomplished. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII hitting iOS on August nineteenth. The port of the PC version. Uh, great. I don't know. I. I don't know what to think of, especially after the Apple TV announcement. I don't know what to think of games on Apple devices. Pac-Man 256 on iOS. <laughs> I, I knew. Oh, you, now I'm going to go back on that. I love that game. Have you played it? Yes. It's awesome. I actually bought it. Like I spent the eight bucks I, for it. <laughs> That's very rare that I actually buy a mobile game. So that, that means something. I actually love this uh, style of uh, game, per se, we're playing right now. <laughs> Fantasy Star Online 2 coming to PlayStation 4. 
But is it coming to the States? Nope. No? Then I still don't care. No, I don't know. Because, I mean, like, it might be easier for me to download that version and see if I can get into it or not. Dead or Alive Extreme 3 hitting PlayStation 4 and Vita in Asia and Japan only. BS. And also, like, it's not even going to have, like, all the girls. They're doing, like, a popularity contest. That's a bunch of bull. Don't get What's me started on that. that? I'm gonna sound, I'll am gonna sound like DH Jr. Yeah, that's a bunch of bull crap. So. so some people might not think so, but I actually love, like, the Dead or Alive Extreme games. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I don't... Are they going to actually stick to it being Japan only? I don't know. Pokemon Tournament hitting Wii U Spring of 2016 globally. Combining two, well, I guess it's not like really combining Tekken, but um, I don't care. I know people care, so good for you. But I uh, this is from the rumor mill. By no means confirmed. Nothing but dirt from the internet and message boards. Rumor: The Nintendo NX, uh, more focused on the OS, the operating system for multiple platforms, a la the Xbox One and PC, or your Droid OS amongst the tablet and phone, for example. Furthermore, the NX handheld uh, and NX console could communicate with each other game-wise. One may go along with the other, where, but the user is not required to own both pieces of equipment. What are your thoughts on Nintendo going this unlikely route? Uh, while more modernized, seems like uh, something that would take them 50 years to adopt. Yeah, I don't know that I trust Nintendo with like cutting-edge technology. And cutting edge services like that scares me. Um, I'm really, really curious about the NX. I want to see what it is because I have no clue at this point. But if I could have anything I wanted from this, I would want a powerful portable that I just come home, plug into a cradle, and then play on my TV. Like at this point, I think that Nintendo having two separate consoles is is mm-hmm. not a good idea. So I think either this combination needs to be where it just swaps games over and it just you decide where you want to play them or it needs to be one combined unit. And as soon as I say that mere days later, kind of quietly stealing that thunder, which obviously was only rumor mill, but in terms of facts and reality, how about Apple TV doing similar with the Apple TV device gaming and the iPhone and picking up where you play and left off on saves on one versus the other. And the whole aspect of the upgraded Apple TV and its operating system. You know, people keep, Saying that like Apple will come out with something that already came out and just claim that they did, you know created it and everybody would give them credit. Like I can't wait for them to get credit for you know Waggle Gaming. You know, uh, look, everyone knows I'm not a fan of that, but did they not quietly showcase that almost as if it were a quote afterthought? Um, the, the, at, ga- the gaming, at, the gaming part. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I think they're gonna. That's the problem kind- is like I think Apple just like never knows what it wants to do for games and they just cannot commit to them for some reason but i think it's gonna be i think that's gonna be end up being like the that could be i should say that could be the big part of the apple tv but just the controller situation is gonna be such a mess i will say this uh third party controllers i thought i'd saw would work but we'll save those details for another night yeah there, there are but like when you have to pay money to get a first controller for your system like that's a really bad situation so we got two minutes left i'm going to say two final things as we close out generic video game podcast episode 12 i'm going to end it on a positive note uh real quick recently we celebrated the 20th birthday of playstation one in the u.s 
Did you take Did you take the test? I did. What did you get on the hard one? If I'm being honest, I took the hard one. I didn't get all twenty. I didn't finish the twenty questions in the three minutes. Of what I did accomplish, I got twelve of fifteen. Ah, see, I got ninety-five percent. So I just missed one. Yeah, that was pretty. Darn I actually good. missed more on the easy one. Than I did the hard one. Wow. Did you uh, vote for your favorite PlayStation games on the voting thing? Uh, I did via the official PlayStation Twitter. Which two games did you vote for? I did something different. It wasn't two. It was just uh, 20 years of play, I think. Oh. Uh, I, ch- I chose Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Okay. Yeah, because I, I first voted for... Because I didn't realize it was two. So I thought I was just clicking on one boxes. But I ended up... Because I, I voted on my computer and I... I did, I was so silly. I went and actually got on my wife's computer and used her computer to vote too because I <laughs> like, I have to get these extra votes in. Um, I voted Bushido Blade. Wow. Uh, Ridge Racer Type 4. Persona. And... Oh, what was my fourth? You hold Bushido Blade in that higher regard. Huh? I'm not I si- love Bushido Blade. Oh, wow. What was my fourth game? Oh, Silent Hill, of course. All right. Yeah. And then lastly, we'll end on another positive note. PlayStation wasn't the only one celebrating a birthday recently. No. Also, the Sega Dreamcast turned 16. It can it can now drive in some cities or some <laughs> states. I, I miss the Dreamcast so much. I miss... I miss uh, that Sega. Uh, so yeah, much. I miss that Sega. I don't miss that controller in hindsight. Although I loved my ASCII six-button Dreamcast pad to pieces. I have them, yeah. I miss that Sega, and I miss that originality. I miss when games would get announced, and you didn't know what was coming next. Like, you had no idea what direction they were going to go, but more often than not, you were going to get something fun, unique, colorful, um, you know, something with an arcade feel at times. Uh, you just never knew, and I, I, we've said this before, and even though PlayStation 2 was phenomenal in terms of its library and there's so many great moments, I, I, really, I say this to people who aren't even that big of gamers, I have the habit of telling them, in terms of like the unexpected and that level of originality, that died when Dreamcast stopped. Yeah, no, I, I kind of, in some ways, agree with that. And I was talking to somebody recently, and we were thinking that like I f- that we felt like the Dreamcast was the last console that was about the arcade experience at home. Right. Because you know, growing up, for Anthony and I, you know, the arcade was the big thing first, and then there was home games. And you know, home games obviously were had their own thing, but like the arcade was where all the big new stuff came out, like the the exciting games, the cutting-edge stuff, you know. And you were always wanting this arcade game or that arcade game at home. Like, just, just today I found out that we're getting um, Power Drift on the 3DS as part of the 3DS Classics, or 3D Classics, and that's really oh, what, exciting to me. I saw that on the Volume 2 physical release in Asia, but did they announce it coming here stateside as no, well? No, that's the problem, is it's not announced here yet. So I'm going to cry a lot of tears mm. if we don't get it over here. Um, mm. But, you know, like I wanted that at home. I wanted Gauntlet at home, uh, you know, uh, Super Dodgeball at home. Like there's all these games and that's kind of like you wanted these games at home. And I feel like Dreamcast was that last era of console where getting 
home versions of arcade games was an important thing. Right. And not that we didn't get that on PS2, but like at that point, I feel like PS2 was really the sign of where console gaming was just far and away the more dominant. You know, the last game on PS2, not to get off on this real quick, but the last game I remember on PS2 looking forward to greatly, that was a arcade conversion. The last one I remember was Virtual Fighter 4. I was going to say, yeah, it, it, was, it was fighting games. Yeah. Right. So yeah. beyond that, like, just it went there. So, um, and I know we talked about Dreamcast before, but Dreamcast, of course, was, yeah, the great arcade ports. It was Sega, at, I think, their most creative they've ever been. I mean, they were just firing on all cylinders. Um, it was an awesome fighting game console. And it had some really fun imports that you could play pretty easily. I promise we'll end it on this. I know we've ended the show. Uh, well, no, six, I have something. Six, I have something for you. I have something oh, for you. Oh, Jesus! Okay. And we're we're, we're fine time wise. We can push well, it. Well, before I forget, okay. um, a fan and friend of the podcast sent this article my way. I'm not going to get into it this evening, but for those in the meantime who want to look it up, I don't have the site in front of me, but it was written by Damiano Bacci, and it's titled "Interview with Yuki Harusambe, Research and Development Manager of the Unreleased." Taito Wow Wow Home Console. So very interesting piece spanning several pages, a Q&A interview. Uh, this was a unit from the early 90s, uh, which was going to use uh, downloadable games, arcade games at home, a lot of stuff which we take for granted now, and, you know, s- systems like, uh, you know, the Dreamcast and later, later on, anything internet-based, that concept Long story short, the title, Wow Wow, was looking into it, and there was a prototype, uh, but it was a little bit before its time. So anyway, it was a great article. I wanted to mention that real quick. Hmm, that's interesting. Yep. Um, I mean, God, you go back to, like, you know, Neo Geo, where you were getting literally the arcade game at home and stuff like that. And, <laughs> uh, so two th- I do things for you. So they're both fighting game related. Okay. First, real quick... Um, Street Fighter has had two pretty big announcements recently. Yes. The first is the return of Rainbow Mika. Yes. The the female wrestling character from Street Fighter Alpha. And then just yesterday we learned of Rashid, who yes. is the second new original character for Street Fighter Five. Do you have any thoughts on either one of them? Uh, I th- I said this before. Uh, the art style I feel keeps improving, even if ever so slightly, like certain touch ups and whatnot. Uh, Rashid, um, sometimes when you see certain characters representing certain countries, a lot of stereotypes take place, or whether that be for just for recognition or for on a global scale. Uh, the kudos that I will give Capcom for Rashid is there are certain elements when you look at him, you're like, okay, that looks like a Middle Eastern character, but they seem to have made him cool, and he also has like that Super Saiyan type thing going on with the uh, eye, the Google type eye visor. Now, um, did you realize that Rashid's name is an anagram of Radish, one of the Dragon Ball Z Oh, characters? my God. you got to be kidding. And I haven't read that, so no. Wow. Some, somebody noticed that, yes. So if that's interesting because real quick aside, and I may have said this before. I don't know if it was on this podcast. If you look at the characters from Street Fighter, or like Street Fighter 2 in particular – there are a chunk of them. There are aspects you can tell where elements were stolen from Dragon Ball. 
and there were characters that were ripped straight out of Fist of the North Star. Well, and then also Rashid has some some JoJo in him as well. Wow. If so. you see, like his yeah, because JoJo's in that. Like I think like those three, Dragon Ball, Fist, and JoJo's are like three games that are I think heavily inf- influential for fighting games. Yeah. So yeah, so my thoughts on him. Uh, it's cool. Always welcome a brand new character. It got a lot of people excited. Uh, it must also be mentioned. It was very quote interesting that that character was showcased on 9-11. Yeah, and I mean, I know people have said that. It, it was just happened to be the timing of there was an actual game event going on in Dubai. Right. At that point, and, and Capcom was there, and that, you know, seeing as how this character probably is from Dubai, giving the background art for his shot. Right. That's, so I, it's it was a weird thing. I understand. Yeah, I'm not trying saying, to stir the yeah. pot on it, but I figured it, uh, it needed mentioning. Yeah. And then uh, Armika, um, We'll give this guy one more shout out. I'm sure DH is head over heels for that character. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I-, I thought it looked, you know, it looked fun. It was the proportions are quite exaggerated. Um, the joke I was going to make was it seems as if they hired in some of the people from Team Ninja to uh, to do Armika's character model. <laughs> Uh, she, I mean, she has... I, I, here's the deal. I, I watched some footage of it, and the... We'll call it the, the breasts. Man, we'll call, I we'll mean... Call, we'll call it the breasts, we'll, yes, because we'll that's, that's, that's what they're I, called. The, <laughs> oh, wait, what did you say? That, that, yeah, no, I, that's what I said. That that whole area... Yes. Uh, ...completely looked like it was animated by Team Ninja. The, the whole area that I will nickname the breasts... The, <laughs> Um, I didn't know where to take it. So but yeah, he, you know, it, you know, like the I, th- I think the only thing I really don't like about her outfit is that her the midsection part is just way too skinny. Like that, that outfit would not hold together wrestling wise at all. Right. So I kind of like it's funny. It's so funny that I could bitch about the the boobs and the ass portions of it, but right. the part I have the worst problem with is the stomach area. Um, but I played I played her at, at PAX. And she seems like she's going to be a lot of fun. And Rashid's looking like a lot of fun. And that's like, I'm just kind of excited for this game because like all the characters that are in it, even like Ken seems kind of fun now. So like everybody just seems right. like they're kind of fresh and new and different. And um, things like her her V skill where she actually does like, she cuts a promo on on, their, on her opponent, you know? Oh, wow. And she like stands there and you can actually hear her like cutting her promo. And then the longer she she says it, interrupted, uh, the more powerful her attacks become. Wow. Well, the other thing I was going to actually give uh, kudos to on that was, correct me if I'm wrong, she also has like a tag team assist type partner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's N- awesome. Yeah, Nadeshko is her tag team partner. And then she'll jump in and do the various things with, with Mika. And then Mika ha- even has like, uh, she's like a Stone Cold Stunner and RKO and a few other things like that. Oh, I missed all that. Yeah. Like, wow. she literally does, like, I mean, it's not the exact same way, but she literally does a kick and then the stunner <laughs> when she does it. Well, so, Street, Street Fighter Five is looking like it's gonna, shaping up rather well now. I'm really excited. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I'm, and I'm hoping, like, I like Mika coming back because she's just somebody who hasn't been around for a while. And right. then the rumors were also that, you know, like, Alex is going to come back and Karin is going to come back. And so I'm really hoping those two come because I did like both of them. Yeah. So finally, I want to read you something. All right. It's, it's still gaming related. 
I was just searching for something and I happened to find this. And this is this might make you laugh. This is straight off of a week a Wikipedia article. And I'm going to change it up a little bit uh name-wise just to to update it, but it's talking about the character Melina from Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. And it says, on the other hand, EGM's Molly L. Patterson, stating her preference of Melina over Katana, wrote that Melina's face is actually one of the reasons why she likes her. <laughs> so my my liking of Melina was somehow deemed Wikipedia worthy. Did you do that yourself? No, I didn't. Oh, do that no way. Somebody just. I read, thought you did it as a joke when no, I read that. No, somebody. You've got to be kidding me. This was like from a, a news article I did. Um, oh, when was oh 2002? That long ago? And it was just about. Uh, there was like this. This. It was for the Mortal Kombat Nine on Vita. Um, it was now wait wait what that. was the date? What was the date again? Because you might have gone too far back. What was the date you were speculating? April nineteenth, two thousand twelve. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it was it was Mortal Kombat Nine <clears throat> on the Vita, and um, it was like a live action Melina versus Katana commercial, and I just kind of just said like, I actually like you know I hope Melina uh, wins because I like Melina and and her her weirdo faces you know like adorable right. to me or something like that something right. weird like that but it was just like an offhand comment and somebody somewhere along the way put it into a wikipedia article okay so here's the deal i'm blown away now because originally i thought it was cute i thought you went in there as a joke no and added that line but now i'm like stunned yeah somebody somebody added that to to the article wow i mean the only way someone could be inspector clouseau and possibly work that back and it would take a lot of detective work is when one updates a Wikipedia article, I think it keeps track of one's IP address and updates. And I think that may be all in the the, the citation area, but don't call, unless they've changed that. But that's kind of insane. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, it's literally that's because they're like just compiling a lot of information about the character Melina. Right. So my preference of her because of her face over Katana was deemed... That- interesting enough to put into the article that's kind of mind-blowing yeah that really made me laugh like wow so well there you go i would assume they're a, a hardcore gamer to take it to that level <laughs> wow so well thank you uh once again everybody as we close out this national video game day lightning edition of the generic video game podcast and uh on behalf of molly and myself We will be catching you in about a few weeks. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter. We appreciate all of your kind words and support. And we'll catch you soon. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Generic Video Game Podcast. Episode 12, Part 2.8. Tokyo Game Show 2015, the Aftermath Prologue Edition. Your ears are once again joined by myself, hyper-dueling workweek battler Anthony alongside my Zetai Ryoiki co-host Molly. Now, I, I don't think you properly read the name of our podcast this time because you did not emphasize that there were a couple tildes in there. Um, and there was actually the star, and, but not like the full star. The star with like it's just the outline of the star and the inside is like uh, empty. 
So you have to like make sure that like you your voice really brings out those characters. Otherwise, you're not doing proper justice to our <laughs> subtitle. Um, so I was going to ask you, uh, did you eat a cheeseburger today? Uh, I did not. Did you know that today is National Cheeseburger Day? I had no idea. You are not very patriotic, are you? I had no idea. What was the last... Oh, you know what? The last burger I had was last Saturday. So it's been about... I'm about five days removed from having a cheeseburger. I have... Um, okay, wait. Before I say that, uh, you're going to get a burger. Where do you go? I actually have a good amount of choices around here. Um, to give you a short answer lately, um, I've been liking the burgers from Red Robin. Oh, Interesting. But I live right across the street, literally about 900 feet away from Five Guys, which I pretty much never go to. Really? Yeah, I'm why, literally... Why? Because well, I live right across from a strip mall. So that's why you don't go to them? No, I just... Um, they're okay. Um, it's because I'm spoiled. Because I've got... Behind me, I've got new seasons. I have... Right down the road, not making this a comparison as if they're, you know, quote, great, but I've got, you know, everything, McDonald's, Burger King, Red Robin, Five Guys. I have some, uh, you know, mom and pop style shops, all of which all make burgers right within a, like a three mile radius of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just asked because like the Five Guys thing, because um, like anybody who knows anybody from California has obviously heard of like in and out because like Californians won't shut up about it. <laughs> but I actually like Five Guys more, I think, because I really like their French fries. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's good. Yeah. Their stuff is good. I don't have any issues with their food. And these days I'm certainly not a calorie counter with how I look. <laughs> but, oh, boy, I can't believe the amount of calories in their fries. And their, it's, Yeah. It's one of those meals where you have to just like – agreed to like not care right and i mean obviously i do that like often but you have to just go there and be like so yeah i mean like i mentioned on twitter that i was like trying to cut soda and then of course i broke that rule because we went in and out today for national cheeseburger day <laughs> and I had what soda. uh what is your soda of choice when you have soda so i i do half coke half diet coke oh really yeah because coke is too sweet for me mm, mm. but diet has too much of that diet taste and <clears throat> this is like a weird soda trivia but for anybody who, who remembers um before coke had coke zero which by the way coke zero is actually the european version of diet coke oh wow i didn't know they that. had a drink called c2 and c2 was half the calories and it was pretty much from my understanding it was Coke and Diet Coke mixed together. Really? Yeah. So that's what I that's what I usually get. Um, I can't do Pepsi at all. Um, I do prefer Coke over Pepsi. I'm not a big Pepsi drinker either. I don't drink much any soda anymore. Anyone who listens to the show knows a million times over I'm addicted to coffees now. But in terms of mixing, I think Coke with a little bit of Sprite... Hmm. Uh, is a good mix. Um, I used to love cherry coke, but I don't. Uh, I don't know if my taste buds have changed, 
but I'm not crazy about Cherry Coke anymore. Cherry Coke's really weird to me because, like, there was maybe a point when I was younger of, like, six months or so where I really liked it. Yeah. But then, like, every time I drank it, like, after that, it's it's just, I don't know, it's, like, too cherry. Like Yeah, it doesn't taste wh- right. Whenever I have rum and Cokes, if I'm at, like, a bar that has, like, stuff, um, I really like getting a cherry and a little cherry juice into my rum and Coke. <laughs> so if it's like if it's like the real cherry juice, it's good. But like I right. don't know something about the like the the cherry that they put into like sodas. Just it's like really strong. I'll throw this out there real quick on the soda topic. I used to love Dr Pepper when I was younger as well, and um, I I can't drink that stuff anymore. Yeah, Dr Pepper was always weird. Like I, it was one of those drinks where like I could never place like what it was. It's like tasted. Yeah. It's like a it's like a carbonated really soda y prune juice type beverage. Right, yeah. You know. Uh, and I apologize to all the Steinsgate fans out there on that one. But, oh, see, I don't know this yet because I have not gotten through I've not even opened my copy yet. So Well, my, my knowledge on Steinsgate, I have a very, very, very little experience with the actual game on PlayStation Three. But a lot more of my knowledge comes from the anime series which I've watched about half of. Ah. So, speaking of anime, I think it's appropriate, especially on this show, uh, and we'll actually mention this title later on, slated for release on DVD and Blu-ray this November 10th, is the Danganronpa anime series. Yeah, I... I've got it saved on Hulu, I think it is. Oh, don't tell me that's on Hulu. How did I miss that? Danganronpa's on Hulu? I think so. Like, Hulu has like way more anime than you would expect it to have. Oh, you're gonna make me look that up later. Mm. And so I I keep going back and forth about watching it. I can't remember if I've heard like good things about it or not. Uh, I I believe it follows the game very very closely. So there's spoilers abound if you watch the anime. Uh, also, I think I don't know them by heart though. I think there are two main characters or voice actors that are in the game that are not in the anime, but. Um, but it should be pretty good, though. Uh, also, I saw it on Amazon. The price originally started at for the Blu-ray DVD set was in the range of the $60 zone, but now it's become more realistic on the pre-order, and it's down to about 42 bucks right now, somewhere in there, for hmm. November 10th. So uh, I'll probably try and get in on that uh, sometime in the near future. I, I have really mixed feelings about buying anime on anything. I mean, like like actual disc or whatever. Cause, just do it. It's well, no, it's like no, it's the same with like TV shows because it's one of the things where like, am I really like, who's gonna buy, for example, like Dragon Ball, right? And however many like eight hundred discs you need to have <laughs> Dragon Ball, and who's gonna like watch that more than once? You know, it's like it's a, that's the question. Is like, am I gonna ever watch this more than once? Like, I um, I think they're finally bringing Utena on Blu-ray, and I. I We'll get that. I looked that up on Amazon today, too. I saw various DVD box sets. But, yeah, I didn't – now that you mentioned it, I don't think I saw Blu-ray at least yet. Yeah, I think think it is coming, like it's announced or something like that. Um, And I have, like, Dirty Pair on on DVD, and I have a couple others. But I don't know. For the most part, it's, like – it's kind of like a once and done. You know, like I watch it, and then I'm kind of done with it. A lot of the stuff uh, that I wind up buying are like what for me when I say classic, my own opinion, 
or a lot of classic anime movies on Blu-ray. So, like, my most recent pickups were both Vampire Hunter D movies. Uh, I picked up Pat Labor 2 on Blu-ray. And um, those are the big ones that are coming to mind right now. But every yeah, now I mean, and then mo- I will movies, pick up a Movies, movies, totally movies. Yeah, I mean, like, right. I totally understand movies because that's something that you like actually watch, you know, right. a couple times. Like, you might watch it again. Because I have, I'm trying to look. I have, like, a bunch of the Ghiblis. I have um, the girl oh, who left through time you if, you don't wa- if you don't want to spend and uh, a crazy amount of money also slated in November in the US exclusively through Amazon uh, we finally get our version of the limited edition set for all of Miyazaki's movies oh really I didn't know that yeah Aww. and I'm very guilty I put in a pre-order I didn't get charged yet but uh, I'm a little bit afraid to tell you how much it is Wow, it's, I didn't know it's, that. It's uh, the entire set, from what I can tell, don't quote me on it, I think it's kind of done like in that cool book form. Like I have like an alien set and Star Wars set where when you open it up, each respective disc is in a sleeve with art, you know, kind of like a flip book kind of. <laughs> and I believe there's going to be an art book and th- a slip case and all that jazz. And right now, you ready? It's going to run around... 225 bucks yep looking at it right here but the question is does it have okay it has everything up through the window Lupin, Naushka, Castle in the Sky Totoro Kiki, Poporoso Prince Monoke, Spirited Away, Housewilling Castle, Ponyo and The Wind Rises so what are we still missing I, I mean, does that mean does, at that point are we caught up for all the old stuff? Isn't his version of Lupin also in there? Or am I nuts? Yeah, yeah, Lupin is the first one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, actually, I think I think at this point we, we might actually be caught up. I didn't realize. How about we were still missing some stuff? Yeah, so it doesn't have like Arietti and the kind of like stuff past the wind rises, but that's a that's a pretty good package. Yeah, because yeah. um, Kiki. Mm. Yeah, make believe I didn't say that. Yeah, the, and the problem is now is like at this point, like I've I've got enough of them right. that it doesn't make sense for me to go this route. Like if I had none, I would probably just do this. But I I've think got I, enough of them. Yeah. So. Oh, I know what I was going to throw out there real quick on uh, anime, and it only came out on DVD. And I got to tell you, it looks like it's a straight transfer from VHS, maybe a hair better, but it's been out of print for a long time. Recently, I did pick up Robot Carnival. Hmm. I've been doing that forever. I know. That's the thing, because I don't know if that was under Orion, or which has been defunct for many years, as was Lensman. And I've been waiting for Lensman to get re-released. Oh, wow. but, uh, but anyway, Robot Carnival came. So uh, I got that on Amazon. It was about 20 bucks for the DVD. I watched most of it the night I got it, uh, just pretty much for the nostalgia, the memories. But that transfer must have been like, you know, it would have been like a decent quality VHS. And it's like, it's almost like if they just took that and hit, you know, copied it to disc and shipped them out. That's why, because I really was thinking about Sailor Moon, um, like the old school version. Right. But I was like, I just like, the more I read it was like, it just did not seem worth it to to get the blu-ray version because it just it sounds like they just basically upscaled the dvds so that's kind of like the mm. danger of anime is is that i mean 
you know, there's some series that like they redo and it looks just gorgeous or like the right. movies and stuff. But right. there's a lot of TV shows that I think if if there's a good DVD transfer, that'll be your your best route to go. Right. But uh, as hard as it may be to believe for our fans, this is actually not an anime episode of the Gender Review oh. Game Podcast. Uh, furthermore, uh, to us in real time, this is actually our second recording in the last seven days. But through the magic of uh, Molly's editing and prowess, this will be released to fans as one larger episode, which is technically a two-in-one digital pack. So, or I can uh, make this like like actually paid DLC. Like <laughs> you have to spend some money. Um, no, we just actually just been recording for seven days straight. It's <laughs> been a really rough podcast. Yeah. So uh, this, uh, you know, as it will come about, the the show will start off with some humor with the editorial zone, some lightning fast snippets back and forth in terms of opinions on a bunch of various bullet points, and now fast forwarding to today. Uh, towards the end of the 2015 Tokyo Game Show, there's 24 hours that remain in the show. Uh, we felt that we had enough to discuss uh, to kind of blaze through in the next 45 to 60 minutes. Uh, we didn't want to wait uh, too long as it's fresh in everyone's head. Um, and I, I feel in short, and then I'll kind of give you the podium. Um, I don't know really why. I can't put my finger on it. But TGS in many ways has has had more than I expected. Now, it's not like blowing me away. Like, E3 blew us away in terms of like, it was fan fiction in terms of games that are out there for a couple years from now and just stuff that we thought we'd never see. TGS 2015 is nothing like that. But in a way, it's stronger in some ways in terms of titles that are more realistically in front of us within the next 12 months. And I felt like there was a lot of stuff that was... um, a lot more charming, colorful, anime-infused, uh, uh, you know, strongly, you know, strong art, artistically driven, uh, and exciting uh, games. That's the best way I can put it. Like, really good uh, 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 games instead of just uh, more FPS, um, you know, uh, yeah. limited, limited color palettes and blow everything up. No, it's, it's funny because... And I mean, I if I had really thought about it, I would have suggested, hey, we should wait till after TGS to do the show. Um, but like, I guess I wasn't. And this it, oh, it frustrates me because, of course, this is the first year in many years I haven't gone. But I wasn't expecting like this much kind of excitement because TGS the last few years has been a little more low key and just like not getting a lot of great announcements and you know. Companies are either doing things at E3 or they're doing it at Gamescom or they're waiting for, you know, Sony's new event or, or whatever it is. But, yeah, we've got some, like, pretty cool stuff coming out of TGS this year. I don't know if it was just a case of, you know, the stars aligned and this year's batch of releases and announcements were just really good stuff. Or if it's just a really, you know, something happened where the kind of... What am I trying to think? Like, just the life force went back into the Japanese industry for this year. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, I think part of it is maybe coincidence and just the timing of it all. We are pretty much getting into the third year of, uh, what is it, the eighth generation, if memory serves me correct. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is kind of going to be kind of an out there statement, but I kind of felt like we saw a glimpse at TGS 2015, like, 
what we would have been seeing more of if the gaming industry had stayed stronger in the East and if everything hadn't switched over to uh, sandbox and FPS, uh, you know, muscle-headed titles over the last decade. Like, I really felt like we saw, you know, if like the PS2 era or they stayed strong, we would have been seeing a lot more stuff like this, you know, no particular order. We'll get into more specifics like... You know, whether it be your Persona 5s or your Gravity Rush or the stuff shown from Vanillaware. um, I felt like that was showing us, like, kind of what we've been missing. Yeah. No, I said it, it, like... It's it's so funny because I... I think, like, two years in a row went to the PlayStation press conference. And then last year, I was at TGS, but I didn't go to the PlayStation conference. And I was just like, eh. It's been kind of, like only okay and then of course this year like it's crazy good and you know tgs hasn't even started and like this thing happens and like all these awesome announcements come out and stuff so yeah i don't know like it, it gave me it i mean you know i'm, I'm the kind of person who hasn't lost hope in japanese gaming but it really invigorated me and hopefully it gives you know other people that hope again that good games are still coming out of japan I agree, and I think it's kind of nice to say for once, and this stems all the way back to the Warning of Huge podcast shows, as well as the generic video game podcast shows over the last 16 months. You know, More often than not, we're very negative and vocal about it in terms of the state of the industry, and I don't want to make it sound like you know this one show, everything is going to be uh, uh, sunshine and rainbows now from here on out, but... Um, it was kind of rejuvenating. Like, it, it, like this is weird. I said this to someone else in private. I said, you know, even I'm guilty in recent years, and this isn't really a bad thing, but, like, even I have gotten used to and accustomed to the major AAA titles in the West, and, like, I've plunked down money for the likes of your Grand Theft Autos. I gave Witcher a shot, although short-lived. Um, you know, I, I'm taking a look at Fallout 4. These are all big Western properties, you know, mega titles. And a lot of the stuff from the East has been pushed by the wayside or kind of diminished over the years. And I kind of lost that feeling, not that I didn't want it back, but that passion and love for Japanese gaming. And I even said on the show, just uh, the last episode, episode, excuse me, I think number 11, saying that I'm willing to get behind something if it's good and it warrants it. But I can't, I was... Not to keep bashing and beating a dead horse, but like I always pick on your Neptunias, your Senran Kagura's, your Oni Chandra. <laughs> That's what you're saying mine. I'm like they're not my Neptunias. <laughs> so you know what I mean. So like I, you know I, I can't get behind those you know mid mid tier or you know lower quality titles, you know. But uh, I'd say a handful of titles realistically I saw at a Tokyo Game Show. I was like, you know what? I haven't had this feeling in like over 10, 10 plus years. Yeah, it's, it's, I said, it's, I'm not sure what it's like to be at the show itself, but, like, the announcements coming out are just fun and make me happy. That's, so that's why we had to do a show. Yeah. To make me happy. Yes. Now, uh, just to, uh, the kind of the boring stuff, uh, for those who don't know, the Tokyo Game Show started on the 17th, goes through the 20th, tomorrow, Saturday, the first couple days, the 17th and 18th were the business days. The 19th and 20th uh, are the public days. So uh, I don't know where you want to start. Uh, we've kind of been on a positive roll this episode, which is nice. But I don't know if you want to keep that momentum going or if you want to break it up with a little negativity. 
Um, surprise me. Start wherever you want to start. King of Fighters 14. Oh, you are going to start with negativity, aren't you? <laughs> King of Fighters 14. Hey, King of Fighters 14 is coming. So, I mean, okay. So, because I was watching this event. This was the PlayStation event, Sony's conference. I was watching this live. <laughs> So did you find out the next day, or were you actually I, I woke up in the morning and saw it at work before I started my official day. Yeah, so so you, you didn't have, like, the experience some of us had, because we're sitting there and we're watching, and there are announcements being made that we're like, wow, that's awesome that this happened, you know? Uh, or that's a really weird thing to announce. But then all of a sudden, like, this, what was it, like, 15-second clip? Something, like, super short. And it's just like, oh, hey, King of Fighters 14. And you're just like, what? Because it starts off and it's like, SNK play more. And you're like, you know, my ears perk up. And I'm like, well, oh, okay, what's this? <laughs> and then it's counting through the years. And you're like, oh, my God, a new King of Fighters. And then Kyo comes on screen. <laughs> and how was that, Anthony? Look, I don't want to, once again, blow this out of proportion. Was it terrible looking? Was it the worst-looking 3D-based fighter I've seen, like the early days of your Street Fighter EX or your Maximum Impacts, which do have their own fan base? I mean, am I going to sit here and say it was PS1 or early PS2 era quality? No, it was a slightly higher grade than that. You can tell it was running at a higher resolution. Um, It wasn't the, quote, worst. To answer your question, the first problem I had, and this is just me living in living in the past, especially coming off King of Fighters 13, which really revamped KOF 12. First off, sprites are gone, so that's uh, right off the bat. We're back to a 3D. Uh, they're given 3D a shot. Uh, also, this would be the first 3D King of Fighters I would say in the main series. Um, on Facebook, I was getting into not an argument, but I was getting to a back and forth with someone about Street Fighter and. Uh, I'm not even going to open that can of worms. So, first off, no more 2D. Okay, so which, if you're... Ex- which, I mean, which, there, uh, look, we, you know, anybody with a brain <clears throat> and knowing SNK's position, like, that wasn't surprising. It was very disappointing because they had put all that work into the brand new generation of, right. quote-unquote, HD sprites for 12... And then, you know, obviously th- moved to 13. So to only have two games on that new engine is is very sad. And it, I think I would have been... I mean, I know why I did it, but I think I would have been much more okay with this had this not been King of Fighters 14. Because this pretty much says what we got in 12 and 13 is is dead. Agreed. I have no hope left for it. And, and here's the thing. I've been trying to think about this before we went on air because, look, I could sit here. Excuse me. I'm being a pig. I could sit here and uh, I, I could talk to you like as if it were in private and I could just go off on a rant going, you know, this sucks. I can't believe they did that. But I'd be doing a disservice to the fans because – Anybody on the internet or with a blog and doesn't put any thought into it can do what I just did. So I really had to put some thought into this. And I'm going to say one of the problems I had. So, okay, realistically on one end, you figure SNK Playmore probably doesn't have a large budget, okay? 
So, because one of my first comparisons would be in the modern day era, if you're going to go that route with more of a 3D style on a 2D plane, you think Street Fighter 4 slash Street Fighter 5. But I'm going to meet you halfway on that too. So the budgets on those are probably considerably more, even though sure. Capcom's probably not spending a megaton because we know how they've been recently. So let's say Street Fighter 4 isn't the the benchmark that they can achieve with this. Now, you correct me if I'm out of line on this, but the best comparison I can make is with someone that utilized old technology yet put out something that was breathtaking and in some ways arguably just from an art form may have even leaped over street fighter on a lesser budget was guilty gear well guilty gear is complicated though it it is and i think we've even talked about this a little bit in the past in terms of how it was supposed to be more cost-effective, and then with how many times they had to do the character models, like four times or whatever, it wound up being much more costly. But I would also argue, without knowing hard numbers, that you got to figure Arc Systems not sitting on a big bankroll. No, and they're, and, 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 and they're using the Unreal Three engine, which is an engine that is crazy to say out loud is almost ten years old. Yeah, I mean that was obviously like. W- as soon, you know, when you're putting pieces together, and as soon as you see Guilty Gear, Exert Sign, <clears throat> um, and then you think to yourself, okay, SNK probably is not going to make another sprite-based game, then obviously your first thought is, I want them to do the exact same thing Ark did with Guilty Gear. That's it, right, in short, Like, your yes. brain instantly goes to there. And, you know, the thing about Guilty Gear is it's not as easy to make those characters as people think. Because, yes, they are 3D models, but they actually go through and frame by frame by frame, make sure everything looks proper. And they do do cleanup for the frames and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure how exactly it all works, but... So it's not super, super easy. But it can be done. And... I... So the... The thing I have with this game, with King of Fighters 14, is for anybody who's an SNK fan... One of the reasons you are is because you probably have an appreciation for their art. Right. And you, you go back through the the history of Neo Geo games. And you have all these games with this beautiful sprite art. So much work put into them. I mean, just alone, like, God, you go to, like, Last Blade and look at those backgrounds. And they're just so crazy in how much just passion and artistry is put into those backgrounds. So you have this company who is so well known. Like, I mean, Capcom, right? Yeah, they've done like good sprites, but are they really known for their sprites? No. They're known for their fighting games and their engines and their characters. Like SNK is known for their characters and their fighting games and their engines, but they are also really, really known for their art. And to have a company that has been so dedicated to that for so long, put out a game that just looks... I mean, because I want you to be honest here, Anthony. If you did not know where this trailer came from, if you just saw this trailer appear suddenly one day on like Twitter or YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. and that first scene where Kyo pops up, would you not think... Are you still there? Yes. Molly, sorry, just to go back one sentence. You said if I woke up one day and saw okay. the trailer at random? <coughs> yeah, if you saw the trailer at random... <coughs> <coughs> sorry. Uh, Tall Trailer at Random, 
and you didn't know what it was for. I mean, you knew it was for King of Fighters something, right. but you didn't know like it was from a PlayStation event, whatever. And you were watching it, and it got to that point with where Kyo makes his appearance. Would you not think this was an ad for a pachinko machine? Like, be honest. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, yes. Or be- testing the... I would have thought... Te- okay, I would have thought a few things. Either testing the waters of a project that either didn't complete, or it was maybe a PS2 sure, project that they brought into PS3 era and tried to HD it up to, you know, to uh, up the resolution. Or back to your point, because of what we've seen in terms of job opportunities over the last couple years that have been discussed online with SNK Playmore, as well as some of their videos for their pachinko works, totally sure it's it, it could totally fit for that. Because I mean, just I, I I think those character models, and obviously this is early, and I know it's not right to judge it from. I mean, this is literally a thirty-one second clip, or even less than that. Um, but. I think when you see Kyo and you see Yori, they just look like such generic That's the right, 3D yeah. fighting game characters, like the way they're done. There is no, there's just no art to it. Like you look at Guilty Gear, there's art to it. You look at Street Fighter, there's art to it. Even like MK, like you play Mortal Kombat, there's a very distinct style to those characters, very distinct style to, you know, Killer Instinct. There's just nothing distinct about how those characters look. Maybe we can talk SNK play more into using some of those uh, the key art as a banner for the generic video game podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, obviously I need to play this game. I need to give it a a proper, you know, chance, but I'm just really sad about it. So how about this? I'm going to take you from a low and I'm going to bring you on a high. How about a game, one of a couple games, not the only, a game that is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of art. We're talking about how a product based off art has come so far down. So I'm going to give you the title of this game, which was one of my favorites, definitely top two or three from Tokyo Game Show. You ready? Yep. 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. This, like... I think by, part of the fun. Go ahead. Oh, by Vanillaware for those who are living on the yeah. rock that hadn't seen yep. it. And I think part of the fun is this is like when you think of a new Vanillaware title, I think you kind of automatically assume what it's going to be like, like um, in terms of theme and characters and stuff. But this was like not at all that. Like I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's going to be what you know, Middle Ages fantasy swords, dragons, stuff like that. Um, this looks awesome. This looks so good. And like, it's such an interesting situation to see that, that classic, you know, George Kamitani art style in. So I am really, really excited for this game. And I, I love, I love the fact that like, there's this like Atlas cross Vanillaware thing going on. Yeah. And, and judging by the snippet of the soundtrack, we heard it had a very, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex anime vibe to it. And some of the game itself visually, um, while that reminded me of the Ghost in the Shell series, uh, I got a little bit of a Neon Genesis uh, vibe potentially from it. Um, just in terms of some of the characters, the mech, the, you know, that. And it's so weird. I want to use like a cyberpunk post-apocalyptic kind of mecha type setting, but absolutely nothing like, you know, the the 
the limited color palette, dreary, lack of art direction. But also the way the backgrounds were seemingly almost as far as the eye could see out uh, stretched in full 3D, but the way it worked against the 2D plane, which you're primarily focused on, and the lighting, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. My, my only downside is, like, I don't like giant robots. Oh. And I kind of, I just kind of really wish it could have been <laughs> some kind of just crazy, mysterious, um, you know, present or post-apocalyptic kind of thing or whatever without the giant robots. But I'm still really, really excited for this. And it's, it's going to look gorgeous because it's being made, I think, like straight for the new consoles. So. Yeah. Are you a communist? No, I'm sorry. It's uh, uh, <laughs> PS4 and Vita. What is, wait. <laughs> no, hang on a second. Giant robots are not an American thing. <laughs> Giant robots are a Japanese thing. So, so wait, I don't know if I recall this. Um, I didn't know you didn't like giant robots. I I don't like giant robots. Why is that? I'm honestly, I'm curious. I'm not like upset. I just I'm. I don't I'm curious. like. I I don't. What about Transformers? Uh, the good Transformers, not the. <laughs> I'm talking like um, Generation One. Okay, I think the problem. Okay, here's here's the problem. I think I like robots giant robots when that is the basis of the story so if you have like a transformers or a pacific rim or things like that they that's those stories are literally about their giant robots beating up something you know i think the problem i have is like when you have this story or this um you know setting or whatever that could be really strong on its own and then they feel like they need to force a giant robot into it like what was that there were those two ps3 rpgs by Sony. And you could like make your own character. I, I don't know if it was like level 5 worked on them, I think. Oh. Uh, like uh, Chron- White Knight Chronicles. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like those games looked really interesting to me. And then all of a sudden like, oh, and then a giant robot. And I, I think part of it too is just that it's always like Evangelion 2 was okay. I mean, because Evangelion was based around that. Those were core to the story. But then you get like games like White Knight Chronicles. Where it's like, okay, we're we're adventurers with swords out in a field fighting monsters, and all of a sudden here's our giant robot to come in and k- kill them. You know, it's like it's like why is that here? That is such a game and 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 you know world breaking element. Like why do we need that? <laughs> right. But so it, I, it was I, kind of nice to see that from Vanillaware, which you know goes against you know like you were saying, we're used to seeing one type of thing, and they kind of mix that up a little bit for themselves i think they could i think vanillaware could come up with a really interesting story that makes them worthwhile i just i just think it's i think for me it's also the thing about like rpgs having the cute mascot character Mm. it's like to me it's like a gimmick and it's not something that's needed for the story Mm. well but it's, it's gorgeous yeah, so that that looks great. There was also we've talked briefly about this in the past. There's still that Odin Sphere uh, remake coming. Yep. Will that have redone controls <sighs> or revamped? I should say. I mean, I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, maybe modified a little bit, tweaked. Because I mean, I know, like, I mean, obviously they had to, but they, you know, did a lot of work to to revamp the controls for the Vita version of uh, Muramasa. Oh right, right, right. I mean, I mean, I mean, in ways that we're actually making the game kind of different to play versus just how do we put what we had in the Wii onto the Vita? 
Mm. Now, let me do this. I don't want to be in total control here, and I know there's a title you're probably dying to talk about. I'm going to make you wait on that one. I'm going to go something. We've gone both ends of the spectrum. I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I'm going to mention a game that when I first saw the trailer, the first two seconds, I was like, God, this kind of looks dumb. And then when I watched the whole trailer through, I was like, you know what? It kind of grew on me, and I started to like the style. Hmm. Okay. World of Final Fantasy. I, yeah, I, I don't care. Yeah, I and, didn't, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off. No, I just say like, I, I feel like it's funny because, um, what was it? What was the, what, what was the event? Was it E3 where they announced Final Fantasy Remake? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Sony's conference. So it was funny because it's like. Here's this really weird little Final Fantasy game, and then we got what everybody wanted, you know. And this time it's like, here's this weird little Final Fantasy game, and it just like instantly I had the gut reaction of expecting something else big to happen after it. So to me, it's like the oh fooled you kind of game from from Square. So you I, know, I, I'm so crazy that I for- <laughs> do you know that I forgot that this was the game that led into Final Fantasy. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So that's why I said, like, I mean, like, them doing that at E3, I think, ruined this game for me, because I can't think of it as being anything but that. Wow. And I know we had the same discussion a couple episodes ago, how I had no recollection of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, like, I, I know people online, I've seen, you know, who I know that are, are legitimately excited, and I'm not saying it looks terrible to me or anything. It's just that it, I haven't found anything about it for me yet to get me excited for it okay okay well i'll move this along i'm gonna fake you out did you know there was a title that was announced all the way back in 2005 and shown again here in 2015 it's kind of a re-announcement but it wasn't the last guardian it was originally announced as a launch title for the ps3 and now we're almost halfway through the PS4 cycle, only to see Tecmo and Team Ninjas, Neo, spelled N-I-O-H. Now, did this not, like, all I could think of when seeing this was, at first was, it's like Japanese Witcher. Because that character looked so much like Geralt to me. Did you want my honest to- answer? The very first, when I first saw it, what I thought? Hmm. Onimusha. That that too, like I can understand that, yeah. Although upon closer inspection, I will admit the visuals seemed very high. I think this looks really good, and I mean, obviously, I don't know what it plays like, but the the style, the look, the atmosphere, I am totally down for it. Yeah, I, I mean, this is what uh, I know. Cap on a different company, different time. Capcom kind of took Onimusha, which was excellent at the time, and ran that into the ground with eighty-six uh, sequels. But I would almost imagine that this is what Onimusha would look like right now if Capcom hadn't run that well dry uh, during PS2 era. Now, an interesting thing about this, because this is it's it's weird because it doesn't, it may or may not have the meaning it used to have. But this is game is being done by Team Ninja. So at, in 2015, what does that mean to you? 
A bit, are we? Are you saying that? Beca- okay. Are you saying that because couple reasons? One, Itagaki's long gone, and secondly, just because their track record as of late has been hit and miss. Yeah, because I mean, like, I, there was a point where, you know, I think saying this is Team Ninja, obviously not the same quality level, but it's kind of like a this is by platinum. You know, as right. soon as you hear that team name, you're like, oh, okay, I know, kind of know what to expect. I completely agree with that statement. I'm a little bit more hesitant. Uh, I feel Dead or Alive Five, and I'm not looking for a laugh from the audience. I'm being serious. For the Dead or Alive series, I thought Dead or Alive 5 lived up to it. I couldn't. Yeah, I liked it. I saw a crazy statement from Itagaki saying it was, like, I don't know, some nutty statement, like a, his child being mistreated and all that garbage. Dead or Alive 5, I don't care what he says, that was Dead or Alive. Ninja Gaiden 3 got a really bad rap, and it was the only Ninja Gaiden I hadn't bought at launch. I wound up buying it a few years later on Blowout. So I actually have not completed it, whereas I've completed the other ones. You know, the little bit I played of Ninja Gaiden 3 wasn't that bad. And that's my own fault for uh, taking all of the reviews to heart. Um, It may not have been as good as 1 and 2, but it didn't seem bad. But I know a lot of people consider that a misstep. Um, So I don't know. I think... think Obviously, Team Ninja was also involved in Metroid Other M on the Wii, which I have yet to play. Uh, that got pretty solid reviews, so they've been a little, you know, they've had some side projects. I think one of the other main problems, though, with Team Ninja as of late is you're either getting dead or alive or you're getting Ninja Gaiden, and, you know, God bless those franchises, but, you know, Neo is, like, really the first new property out of that company in 15 years. I mean, if at, we're ex- at, at that team, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're excluding Dead or Alive Extreme Beach, right? I mean, you know. So yeah, so I don't know. I agree. Everything is not a guaranteed home run from them right now, but um, it certainly has potential and promise. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like there was a certain point where saying this is Team Ninja would have meant something to me, right? And now I don't think it does really, but. Like, it's not, like, negative, but it's also not positive at all. It's just, like, okay, Team Ninja, you know. But I don't know. Like, I, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, this looks pretty cool. And yeah. I am curious now, so I'm looking forward to it. And, and it's just, like, it's it's interesting that this game, 10 years later, is, is living on. It's, it's amazing. We have also learned from Tokyo Game Show that Capcom is not the only company that can't count. Oh, They've done everything from Street Fighter 1 to 2 back to 0 to, you know, uh, Alpha 1, 2, 3, Turbo, Super Turbo, etc., etc. We all know the kind of running jokes there. Well, it also seems that Square Enix can't count because um, we have now had everything from Kingdom Hearts to 1.5 HD Remix to 2.5... Three was announced, and now we're going back to two point eight. I, I look. <laughs> you know, as being a warning, a huge podcast listener, um, you know I've dealt with some pretty crazy Japanese titles over my time. I do not get this. The game's name. Do not get. I, do I get to guess? Take a stab without having read any Wikipedia or cheating. I mean, I'm I mean, assuming. I mean, I mean. Obviously, it has to be because it's 
setting up for three, but 2.5 came out, so it has to be between 2.5 and three. Yeah, and it's the final, maybe the, the, in their mind, it's the last, it's the prologue before we get to three. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jesus. I mean, that's, uh, well, I don't know. They all, you know, Square is uh, seemingly competing against themselves because they also had another doozy. Star Ocean Integrity and Faithlessness. That rolls right off the tongue. I... Like, I... Did you ever play Star Ocean 3, a.k.a. Star Ocean, till the end of time? The only one I own that I remember playing a bit of is the one that came out, I think, after FF7. It had, like, what was the one on PlayStation 1? Okay, that was Star Ocean 1 or 2. So Um, what? What? That was Star Ocean either 1 or 2. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Yeah, that one I think I still have. But I think that's the only one I ever picked up that I can remember. Yeah, I see. I loved, 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 loved 3. And then, like, Star Ocean 4 just went so weird. Like, with those really ugly character designs and that really annoying little girl and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I I want to be excited for this, but I am so, like... Like, this, like, to me, was like, a perfect example of, like, the Japanese RPGs that I just can't trust anymore. Right. Um, and... It's It's almost like the whole kind of the Grandia thing and the Swakodan, am I correct? You know, kind of those ups and downs over the years. And it's it's also like, I mean, I love her and hate her. There is that witch character that looks just so stupid, but so awesome at the same time. Like with the green hair and the big hat and everything. (laughs) Um, Like, that's not what I want out of this kind of game. But... She's not a terrible design. I just, I don't want her in this game. Like, that's, I kind of wish, you know, and I, I know we've talked about it before, I'm sure, on, on the show, but it's it's like the fantasy star problem, you know? As fantasy star has gone on, like, the characters have gotten more and more anime, kind right. of in their looks. Losing the fantasy star charm and that uniqueness yeah, and now becoming something else. And that's, like, not what I want. I want, like, characters that look like they belong in fantasy star. Like, in the, the characters anymore in Star Ocean don't look like they belong in Star Ocean. And I... Because it... I mean, it's, they've always had kind of goofy characters, but even back before, there still was some just kind of rules to their design. And now it's just, like, kind of looking just too generic JRPG to me. Right. It's cookie-cutter in its own way. Well, speaking of that, before we move on to the next titles, with the Star Ocean, the one you love, Star Ocean 3, what format? I'm going to guess uh, PlayStation 2? Yeah, PS2. Yeah, I figured it was PS2 era. Because like, the, the, the combat was so good. And I mean, I know some people like hate it because it has like the kind of M. Night Shyamalan twist to it. And the twist is like super crazy. So, Oh, in that game? Yeah, I mean, it's really, really, really out there, the twist. So I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I don't know, like, just the combat was so good, and it was just a fun kind of little adventure, so. (laughs) Well, uh, moving on from Star Ocean, uh, there was another title in a series that I think you hold uh, close and dear to your heart. 
uh, you know, not your favorite series, but uh, what are your thoughts on Biohazard Umbrella Corps? Oh, boy. A did competitive play... third-person shooter. Did, did you play, um, was it Operation Raccoon City? I think so, yeah. I had this conversation with someone else in private recently. Uh, if you want me to, I'll regurgitate what I said to that person. Uh, if I'm re- even remembering the correct title, I remember picking it up. Uh, this is PlayStation 2, correct? No, 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 no. This was PS3, Xbox 360. Okay, hold on. Let me get this right. What was the title which you had a partner? There was a partner system, AI controlled, and one of the downfalls of the title, although it looked strong at the time, the AI brought the product down because it was lacking. Are you thinking Resident Evil Online? I would not. I would not have done an online. I don't think because it had Resident a sing- Five. No, no way. I beat Resident Evil Five. Um, Are you thinking the? Uh, well, I mean, there's like the Lycon games. Nope. I know that. Yeah, I'm familiar with that as well. Um, what, are you, what are you thinking? Maybe it is. Could could you play the one you're referring to as online? Could you do it offline? Because um, I never went. I never went online with anything on my PlayStation. Well, you said PlayStation Three. So, yeah. did this come real early in the PS3 era? Oh, when did this come? Let's see. I'm trying to find it. Because and I'll, I'll buy you time while you're looking that up because the one I'm thinking of, whatever it is, and this is actually kind of embarrassing because this just comes to show you how many spinoffs there are now in the Biohazard Resident Evil series. We can't even keep track of them. The one I'm thinking of had AI. I, I, I packed it in after a couple days and returned it because I couldn't uh, put up with it. And it wasn't until Resident Evil 4 had to be after it because Resident Evil 4, I remember later in the game with what Ashley, with that partner system there, that actually worked. So you have to be thinking of Umbrella Chronicles, or, or, or no, I'm sorry, not that. Um, uh, oh, I just saw the name. What was it? It's uh, Outbreak. Because Outbreak yes. was the on- yes. that, 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 that's the online game. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm so sorry. I, yeah, I, I couldn't th- get that's what so you're this. Now this one, Umbrella Core. Where does this fall within its canon? Is, is, is so, this uh, Operation Raccoon City was basically SOCOM with zombies. Oh, that's right. I, okay, I do remember that. You said yes. you made that comparison, and now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, this new game is kind of looking like that, but I've I've heard that it's kind of like Resident Evil Counter-Strike. Really? So, my understanding so far, which I may be totally incorrect, is that this is definitely more like three versus three team-based combat. Like mm. competitive, competitive kind of matches, a competitive mm-hmm. third-person shooter. Mm-hmm. So it's really like it's one of those games. Like, why are they doing this? <laughs> because I mean, I mean, because uh, Operation Raccoon City did not do great. Like, I think that game. I could be wrong, I guess, but I I thought it was like a flop, and and because it was just it it. It had some really interesting ideas, and it wasn't wouldn't have been the worst game in the world, but just like the way it was executed did not work. And 
I think you could do a really interesting third-person shooter in the Resident Evil world. We have like a small team kind of trying to survive against zombies and everything, but this is the, this is looking like it's a competitive, you know, team versus team shooter. Right. Which is always what I think of first when I think of Resident Evil. Of course. Yeah, like why? I don't know. I mean, like I, I kind of feel like you know, if Capcom wanted to do this, just give it a different name. You know. Right. Or, or I mean, like I, I don't know if they would want to bring back Lost Planet, but. You could have put, like, Lost Plant name on something like that. Hmm. Or, I don't know, like, what else they... Like, what other kind of... Hmm. I don't know. It's a weird spot, because the brand is obviously strong, and you got to figure that plays a part in it for maybe a gimme in terms of X amount of sales. Like, whatever that name brings in, they figure that's the lowest common denominator, and then you build off that. But at the same time, it's tough, because, you know, that series you know in the main resident evil series you know you figure that's a title you want to sell between lowball two million to five or six million per entry and you know with with uh umbrella core you know i don't know what they've got in mind you figure maybe maybe one to two million like you know that you know to make it worth your time you got to figure that thing's got to move at least a million okay so here's here's crazy conspiracy theory or theory period um so the way i've heard it is and i don't know if we talked about this before resident evil 6 basically had like three different kinds of gameplay right Mm -hmm. it was like how chris played chris and then whatever his partner was i don't remember the name and then um oh my god i'm so spacing on who was in that game wesker uh yeah, Sherry, and then whatever his the son's name was, and then Leon and his partner. So you had these three teams, and like the three, there were three kind of really different styles of gameplay. Like Chris was the definite like running, I mean like you know, like gunning, kind of Gears of Warry kind of style. Leon was the old school traditional Resident Evil style, and then new guy and Sherry were the kind of mix between the two and the way i've always heard it is that capcom did that because they wanted to gauge which style of gameplay people liked the most to kind of figure out where to take the reds and needles series from there really yeah that seems kind of like a hell of a a test a study to perform on a you know what i mean like yeah that seems kind of overboard to go full blown on a an A project and well, so, okay, so divide it. Conspiracy theory wise, let's say that's the truth. And if that was the truth, then Capcom couldn't have been working on a new Resident Evil right away because they had to see how things would shake out and where the fan base was most drawn to, right? Which mm-hmm. would mean that it would take longer for them to get Resident Evil Seven up and running. So if you know that, then you can keep the Resident Evil series going in the meantime with these kind of smaller side projects. Right. Which the, the first of which would have been Resident Evil Revelations 2. And then now you can have Umbrella Core. Again, total conspiracy theory, but that's like one thought that I had. It's like, I wonder if this is a game coming out just to buy some time until Resident Evil 7 is ready. 
What do you think? Uh, what direction do you think they'll take Resident Evil Seven? I haven't put not one ounce of thought into it. I, I it hasn't well, been. Well, I mean, everybody seemed to be drawn most towards Leon's scenario, and like to me, when I was playing, that was definitely the the, the funnest part of the game. Mm. And I, and if you play like you know Revelations, that feels a little more like old school Resident Evil. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of hope that they they go that route while mixing in. You know, I mean, because, you know, 6 did have some really nice things in terms of new control and and maybe, like, hiding behind cover. Like, not, not really need zombies all the time, but, you know, like, there were some nicer features that when you played Revelations, the first one, you were kind of missing. Um, so, you know, I think there's ways they can have a better playing game that does still feel true to that kind of old-school Resident Evil style. Hmm. So I'm hoping that's the direction they go. Yeah, I don't know why, but you know, I Resident Evil Seven never even entered my mind, and I, I, I don't mean. I mean because, because I mean, shouldn't we have it by now? Uh, yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about it, saying it out loud, sure. I mean, I just hadn't put any thought into it. I, I, I don't know why that is. Yeah, because uh, Resident Evil Six was 2012. Hmm. And we still have no announcement for Resident Evil Seven. So I said, I think. Either my crazy theory is correct, or something happened with Seven where it's going to take longer than they expected to make it, and so they wanted just to buy some a little bit extra time, hmm. you know, to to get Seven ready. Hmm. Well, well, where do you want me to uh, steer the ship next? Do you want me to keep the ball going, or do you want to pick uh, the next shot? No, go ahead. Uh, all right. Let's see, going down the list here. We've gone through maybe 50-60% so far. Um, oh, I'll, I'll try and bring your spirits up. Street Fighter V, Karen. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, who? Oh, do I have to say? <laughs> I'm sorry, what, what was her name? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. It's... Is it Karin? That's uh, yeah. You're close, well, really. Yeah. <laughs> she's not. She's not a forty-year-old office worker. Or as yeah, yeah, you must have been reading the same site. Or is that? Uh, no, uh, I didn't read a site. I just like that's it, what it, that's what you think of when you think of Karen. Or like, is that Karin uh, in her SF five art? Uh, a middle-aged woman cosplaying Karin. Okay, yes, yes, from Osaka. Specifically from Osaka, though, which I loved that part. Uh, honestly, I think it all depends on angles, much like Street Fighter Four. but overall, I'm not going to lie. Her face uh, I thought, is fine. I thought she looked good. Her face, is, if her face is exactly what it should be. It depends on the shot. You know, you know, they... they you know the internet, and they pick every some single, shots. Every single character from Street Fighter so far has been the case where... If you look at like a screenshot or two of them, then they, their faces look totally horrible. But then, like you look at them <laughs> actually in motion, and they're fine. <laughs> I am so so happy. Like I did not expect to be as excited about her that, as, as I am because I mean I never played her in Alpha, but like I love the Alpha cast the most. So I'm kind of glad they're getting like more and more additions. And um, yeah, I said I, I was like okay. You know, Karin would be awesome to, to to bring back, but I'm probably not going to play her. But then, like, they showed her off, and she looks so just fun to play and, and so cool. And 
one of my biggest fears was they were going to keep her in a schoolgirl uniform like they've done Sakura and they thankfully did not do that so I don't know like I am really way more excited than I thought I was going to be and <laughs> I think unless I can't just get into her playstyle, like she might be my main for Street mm. Fighter Five at this point. Mm. Well, that's exciting. Because I mean, none, none of the characters I none of the characters I really play are in Street Fighter Five. So, yeah, I am I am super excited, and I love her. She looks so awesome. Yeah, and it's uh, a little factoid. It's her first appearance since Street Fighter Alpha Three. Yes, which was I think her only game. Which which is really unbelievable because I feel like she's been in a lot more, but I think that's because there have been so many re-releases of Alpha Three. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I mean zero, between zero three upper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh Japan zero um, three upper. You know you have her and you have Mika, which is looking awesome and she has a still cold stunner and uh you know then you have like rashid the new character who actually looks really cool like i think this roster is coming together just so well and i i am really excited and i hope you know the rumors from here so we know we're getting two more characters like new characters oh there's uh, st- there's still two totally brand new they're saying yep okay so because there's, there's four characters yeah, left right the, the two new characters are expected to be named laura who should be from Brazil, and then Zen, who people think is going to be from India. Who the heck is leaking that? I uh, yeah. Neogaf? I don't. I, it's I can't remember the exact name of who it's coming from, but yeah, there's been a few leaks come out that have been pretty spot on for the most part. And then the so the problem becomes like who the other two characters that uh, are I'm gonna, old. I'm going to say they bring in uh, Alex. Well, that's the rumor. Is Alex and Urian? Oh, really? Um, but then there's also like the way they phrased it was making it sound like there might be another two Street Fighter two characters. But Alex and Urian right now are some of the best bets for who's going to be added. And I would love, I would love to see Alex. Yeah, I would too. Um, I've got some buddies who are more on the pro side of playing that would be very excited for Yuri and that's not my personal cup of tea. Yeah, no, I, I don't care about him one bit, but you know, I think from a game playing standpoint, I know there's a lot of people that like him in the community, but you know, for me, Joe Schmo, yeah, I'm not, you know, uh, I would like to see someone else. Yep. But um real quick on this topic and just out of the blue, you know a character I was never crazy about in terms of how it played and it was completely a ripoff of an SNK character. Uh, I never got into Remy. I actually like I don't like I liked Remy cuz I guess I never never liked Guile. Like mm. I really didn't like Guile's look or his style or anything and then mm. you know when Nash came out I kind of liked Nash Nash a lot more than I did Guile and then Remy I liked his design better, so yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I know he's probably like one of the least favorite of the Street Fighter Three cast at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think he literally might be like, I don't know. Like, I feel like him and Twelve are the two that get oh, asked yeah. for the least. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about? Um, let's see here. Where do we want to go next? Uh, we're knocking this list out. 
I'm going to throw you a bone. This is one of the two main ones you probably want to talk about, so it's only deserving that you talk. You get some time to talk about it. So we're going to start out with this. Persona 5, Summer 2016. <sighs> Atlas USA promised us and promised us that it was 2015. And I think on when I think that's something we talked about on like the first part of this episode when we recorded it a week ago. Right, right. Was that Persona, you know, five had to be coming still this year because that's what they were saying. And I'm not surprised. I am heartbroken, but I am not surprised because we have just heard so little of it lately. Uh, I would say through it all, one thing that's amazing, and I know this is going to sound very uh, biased and fanboyish, you know, through all the delays and all of the other RPGs that get announced and all of the other sequels that come through the pipeline, to Persona's credit, nobody has really stolen that style or thunder, or like nobody has beat it to the punch, meaning like... uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of other RPGs are always trying to stay cutting edge and stay on a certain time frame to get out before others either capitalize or beat them to the punch. But, you know, Persona 5, there's still nothing really like it. And it's, you know, and it's kind of weird because it's, it's a Japan-based game and it's certainly anime-influenced. Uh, the graphical style in this is much more. It's not the smaller character models or the. I don't want to use the word chibi, but you know this has more of a little bit more of a mature look or fleshed out character models, kind of like Catherine, which which I think is phenomenal. Higher level of detail, but there's nothing else. It's like there's nothing else coming down the road where it's like you know what, Persona got delayed. I got almost a year wait. I'm going to spend my money and pick up X, Y, and Z, and I don't need Persona anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks looks gorgeous. I mean, it looks so good. It really does. And, I mean, just, like, stylishly, too, you know, style-wise. Um, the thing is, I mean, like, we're going to talk about a game, I think, in a few minutes, that also got delayed. And I think the similarity between that game and this game is that the fan bases for both... There, there was, I think, what Miyamoto had the quote that um, a delayed game is good eventually. Right. A bad game is, is bad forever or something like that. Right, right. Um, I think both fan bases are the kind of fan bases that are like, this sucks, and we're really disappointed, but we would rather have it come later than not be what it's supposed to be when it comes out. Because, you know, there, there'll be games where, like, people will get really frustrated and be like, oh, I'm not going to buy this game anymore. Screw it, you know? I don't think anyone's going to say, I'm not getting Persona 5 anymore, you know? It's just like, oh, this sucks, but I guess I'm getting Persona 5 now next summer. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that, you know, the delay sucks big time, but then with that uh, two- or three-minute trailer, they released it. It was kind of reassuring. Yeah, it's just, it looks so good. It looks, like, so much more advanced than, like, Persona 3 and 4 have been. Right. Um, did you it's, notice? It, <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to uh, say it seemed like there's a bit, m- bit more of a mini game aspect uh, potentially, or yeah. And there's yeah. one thing that they didn't show uh, in the trailer, but there is another mini game where you have you know um, the shooting watch. It's it's by by Hudson. 
where you, oh yeah yes 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 yeah you basically say like how many times you can hit the button in yep. like 30 seconds something like that to see like how fast your your finger your trigger finger is yep there is some sort of game in persona 5 where you're it's on, it's on a tv but you have a, a game control and you're seeing how fast you hit the button <laughs> in like 15 30 seconds whatever right it is. yeah um now i was gonna i was gonna ask did you notice so at the end it comes up and it says oh i know yeah this is going to be some yep. x-file stuff you, yep. yeah it says summer 2016 yeah ps4 ps3 or ps3 right. ps4 right specifically it is ps3 ps4 but when those words are coming in certain letters are blurry and certain <laughs> letters are not blurry and the blurry letters spell out you me o1 P3, P4. Now, of course, P3 and P4, Persona 3, Persona 4. So, like, the, the thought is, are they doing, like, is this, is this like, just totally reading too much into something? Or is this a little hint that maybe they're doing a Persona 3 and 4, like, HD collection, perhaps? I'm laughing, because the only reason I know that you were headed there is because I saw the NeoGAF thread, and I only read a few of the uh, responses. I laughed at some of them. Well, I don't know. I mean, we're really because I mean the thing, the thing is is they had to have intentionally blurred those letters when you see it because it, it's not it's not a filter that would just be there unless they intentionally did it. So why? I'll I'll bite. So this was my problem with that. Okay, let's say P3 and P4 are getting remastered. Part 1, don't you think that that would have to release before Persona 5? So maybe it is? Okay, so okay, so if so, let's say Persona 5 stays on target. We're currently in September. Let's say it hits July. So that's in 10 months. Don't you think they would have probably... So here's the part two of this. Don't you think if that was the case, they would have announced that compilation coming within the next six months or so? No, that that is definitely the problem. That is like, okay, then why would they have not... Is that what they were saying too online? I didn't see that, but I mean, that was my... No, 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 I'm, like, I'm just like thinking. It's like that's, that's you know, that is one of the hangups of this, this crazy theory I'll, is the fact that they would have probably wanted to announce it here. Like, you know, kind of even to be like... Um, you know, sorry it's not coming, but at least we do have this. Now, here's the deal. I'm gonna, I'll be Agent Mulder. I'll keep the conspiracy going for you. These days, with trade shows and announcements, if you look at the track record of how this works, they save, like it, we've said this before, they, it used to be E3 and Tokyo Game Show, and that was pretty much it. So... You got announcements at E3, and whatever you didn't get there was at the other and vice versa, and that was it, right? We can agree on that. Right. Now, I'd say over the last at least three to five years, shows that I would never even think of getting exclusive announcements get it. So, like, they've held off stuff from E3 for San Diego Comic-Con, then PAX, then Gamescom, then... Tokyo Game Show, then larger retro gaming expos, 
Destination PlayStation. The list literally goes on and on, and I must have named at least six shows there. So my next question is, if I'm being Mulder, so Tokyo Game Show's over. What's the next big show coming in the next few months? I, and I'm not, I don't know the answer. So could it be Destination PlayStation? Could it be something first quarter? And they could announce it there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if anything, it has to be Destination PlayStation. And because you, you didn't see Persona be any part of Sony's press conference at TGS, but they were definitely featured in the opening. So I wonder if they were like, hey, you know, if you would just kind of hold off until Destination PlayStation makes this announcement, so that way we have another kind of big thing to show right. off at the, at the event. That could be, you know, I mean, I don't think it would be New York Comic Con. Yeah, because um, you figure, and that's the type of game where it's like, it's not a secret where people are like, oh man, I don't know what this game's going to be like or whatever. Everyone had, you know, either you introduce it to a new generation or people who are familiar with it will be interested in the revamp. And that won't take, like, if it's far along, and they could be like, let's say they announce it in December. I mean, they could give that a February or March release date. Yeah. You know? I And I'm trying to think, like, I know if there was an event last year, but I don't remember what part of the year it was. So I don't know if there would be a, you know, separate Persona event. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, too. I, I thought it was around this time of year, but I'm going off memory. I mean, there always could be, but... I don't know. Like I said, yeah, the the problem obviously comes in and, okay, if they are doing that, then when are they going to get it announced? Because you, you're right. You would want to have it out before, you know, P5 comes. I would say, though, to that theory, all hope is not lost. You know? It's got to mean something. It's yeah. It's got to mean something. Um, well, from one delay to another... Uh, just announced within the last, uh, actually, just within the last twenty-four hours, Star Fox Zero, the Wii U exclusive uh, developed by Platinum Games in conjunction with Nintendo, has been delayed from November until first quarter, twenty sixteen. Mm, so what? What does what does the Wii U have for this Christmas then? At this point, well, Super Mario Maker just released. Uh, about a week ago, which uh, you know, I give a thumbs up and all that. Although I will say, if I'm being fair, real quick, uh, all of the uh, I wish everything was unlocked from the get go instead of over the course of nine days. And yes, I can hear everyone yelling at their uh, iPods or computers to just reset the clock and do the trick to unlock everything in two hours. I'm still going to say everything should have been available out of the box. But well, anyway. no, no, wait, 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 wait. To be fair, to be fair, they did patch that. They did, but you still ha- it's it's it makes it speedier, but everything's not out of the box still. No, I, I agree. It was it was a weird thing, and I would have right. I think it would have made more sense if like you're going through a tutorial and you unlock it through there or something like right. that. It was a really really bizarre decision. But back to your question, so Mario Maker's are already out. It's history, like it's 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 reality. It's out there right now. So the next big ones that I can think of well, on the list and. Europe and Asia and Australia have already gotten this. We're the only territory that's yet to get it. There's Yoshi's Woolly World in October, which I know is not going to set the world on fire. I'm interested in it, but that's not a barn burner. November was, past tense, Star Fox, which is no more. And December is Xenoblade Chronicles X on December 4th. And there's also uh, Fatal Frame. 
Oh, uh, digital only in the U.S. And is that yeah. when is that? Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. It was uh, when was it? It is October twenty second. That's almost around the same day as Yoshi. It's close. Yeah. It's about a week apart. Yeah. So he, here's yeah. So I don't know if you want to go first or me. Um, I was shocked, and, and I know that sounds so stupid. I why was I shocked? Like, was I losing sleep and counting the days to Star Fox? No, I'm not gonna lie. What am I interested in Star Fox? Hell yes, especially with it being a platinum game. But. I think I was so shocked because even though that Nintendo is accustomed to delaying their stuff and usually for the better and putting out a stronger product, I think I was just so shocked because, I mean, for the mainstream outside of Super Mario Maker, which is more of a creative tool, and, and Xenoblade Chronicles X, which looks great, I consider that more niche, you know, more of a, uh, a cult-type following for the mainstream... Star Fox was it. You know, that's I mean, kind I, of... I, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the problem, is, like, that was going to be Nintendo's kind of big, you know, Nintendo gigantic release for the holiday. And that's gone. I mean, as good as, like, don't get me wrong, Super Mario Maker is awesome, and I think sure. it's a really cool game. Right. But that's not what I think we owners are really waiting for. It's a great addition to one's library, which I've said time and time again about a handful of Wii U games. If you're a current Wii U owner, Super Mario Maker is a great addition. And I, I, I know I'm so sick of saying this. I sound like a parrot. But to, if you were really trying and trying to get new consumers and people who have held out to this point, I mean, for this holiday, like last year you had Smash Brothers. Earlier in that year you had Mario Kart. Uh, this year, admittedly, you had Splatoon, but that was in the spring. You know, Splatoon is a fantastic title. But the big new one, the knockout Dragon for the holiday season for 2015 was Star Fox. And here's yeah. the thing. Originally, if I'm being a smart uh, smart ass, and I never believe this for one second. I, I never believe this at all. Last year, they originally intended the double whammy for this year originally was Star Fox and Zelda. Zelda obviously was the first by far to get delayed. I didn't lose any sleep over it because everyone in their old lady knew that was going to happen, which once again left Star Fox. And, and, and Star Fox is not happening now in 2015. I think for the Nintendo enthusiast and the loyalist, for the people that are already in it, like me, Star Fox getting delayed, if we're just thinking about ourselves... Who cares? From a quality standpoint, it's probably a benefit. Waiting till February, we've already got the system. They're going to get our money no matter what. But I'll say it one last time. For someone looking around this holiday season, maybe thinking about getting pushed over the edge on a Wii U, <sighs> you got to go back in time. You got to get what's either out there already the shelf space for Wii U in stores is minimal at best unless you're doing all your shopping online and unless you're doing your homework and know that, you know, there's a lot of great games on Wii U, but you have to be educated on the system. If you're walking into a store with minimal knowledge, 
And something like Star Fox, you figure would have had the banners and the posters for this holiday, maybe get someone's attention. It's all gone now. And and I mean, like, if this was any, like, X, if it was Xbox One or PS4, it would still sting, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Like, right. you know, you look, you look at PS4, Uncharted 4 was supposed to have been this holiday, it's not going to be anymore, that sucks, right? But you know on the PS4 that you're still going to have plenty of other options for games. You know you're going to have, you know, Fallout 4, the new Call of Duty, the new Assassin's Creed, a bunch of littler games, whatever it is, you know, you're going to have stuff there. (laughs) The problem with the Wii U is, like, when you have so few games coming out for it that one game getting delayed can make a huge difference. And... Yeah, I mean, you know, Nintendo fans went from thinking this this winter they were going to get Zelda and Star Fox to getting neither of those. And well, look, yeah, look, keep going. I'm know, sorry. Lord bless Xenoblade Chronicles X. But that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. Uh, I've already said it ten times, but Xenoblade Chronicles X. This is what I'll say about that quality title. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great addition to a Wii U owner's library. Certainly worth your time. But is that something that's going to get someone this holiday to look on a shelf and go, you know what? I'm buying a Wii U right now from scratch. I'm plunking down 300 bucks on a system that is stubborn to not drop the price yet. When Xbox One has dropped and Sony's probably about to drop at least in one territory in the next couple months. Damn, I mean, they, they are not budging. Yeah. They said this a year or two ago, and it's, you know, it's it's just peeing in the wind. That Wii U should have been down to 199 last year. 199 bucks. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. There's so much stuff that should have been redone. Well, I don't want to be redundant, but like. I feel like the, I feel like the Wii U is a system now where. <clears throat> like back in the day, like Turbo Graphics owners or like Sega CD owners, people who owned consoles like that had some great moments. Like the people that were already in it, like if you were one of the few, like there were still some titles coming for those systems for people in the know and stuff to enjoy. But you knew those systems were never getting past a certain point. And it was for a really hardcore class of gamer. And I want to say that the Wii U, as silly as the name is, the Wii U is now, in my mind, that class. It's like, you know, it'd be like back in the day if magazines were still, you know, like if you're game fans and all that, you're next gen where you look in the back of the magazine and you look at the import section and you look at like the Neo Geo CD or the PC effects or like, and you look at some of those weird titles like, it's like you'd be looking at the Wii U in the back right now, looking at the box for Xenoblade Chronicles X. You'd see a Star Fox picture. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there'd be a group of people that are in the know and like you know boasting about it, but nobody else is. No one else is into it. No one else is playing it. You know what I mean? Everyone else has got an Xbox One and a PlayStation Four. Yeah. No. It's. I mean. Ugh. You know, we've talked, we've talked about the stat at this point anyway, but it's, it is just like, I think it's 
you know, just coast along until that NX can come out. You know, just need to do whatever they can do to keep the lights on at the company. Um, obviously, they're not in that position, you know. But. but before we move off the Nintendo topic, I got one last question for you. Uh, do you think, uh, and I'm sure it's not helping greatly, but, you know, amidst the poor sales and I'm sure money that Nintendo's lost from, you know, depending on how you angle it from, you know, limited sales on the Wii U and all that. Do you think the Amiibo craze has kind of helped their bottom line? Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think like they're kind of doing the Nintendo thing with that is, is, you know, they're being smart about if, if you let people just get what they want to get, then the, the demand won't be there. And the danger obviously is, you know, are they going to bring people out on Amiibos a lot sooner than right. Skylanders or Disney Infinity have? Or they're just going to ride the, you know, frothing demand train for as long as possible and then just kind of have it be, you can go to a store and get everything. I would love to see, and we'll never see this, I'd love to see an internal uh, chart like, you know, with only 10 million Wii U units sold globally, which is crazy. I'd love to see, like, the red ink in terms of how much they've missed on that and then how much they've pure profited off of those uh, little plastic figurines, like... You know what I mean? Like, and how much that compensates and brings them back to a, you know, more of a level area. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, um, let's see. We got, uh, we're getting there. We're, we're getting to the home stretch here this evening. And I want to thank listeners for hanging in there, hitting the download button, finding us online at 24 bit AJE. My co host at Molly Penn, M O L L I P E N. Check out the host Twitter page. For all of the Morning Project uh, podcasts at Morn Radio, M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. And check us out at radio.morningproject.com, just like it sounds. And we appreciate all of the new subscriptions by way of iTunes and wherever else you can find us. So as we're coming into the fourth quarter here on Generic Video Game Podcast, Episode 12, Part 2, TGS 2015 Closeout. Uh, another series that just w- doesn't want to close out just yet. Another series that has sequelitis. Another series that has many a loyal fan. Many a fan that haven't become burnt out on this series yet. A series which I do love. I've put many hours into and I'm just waiting maybe for that bubble to burst. But it hasn't quite done so yet. Yakuza Kiwami and Yakuza 6. Yeah, these are like Yakuza's interesting to me because I think the major problem it has is if you just look at it, you're like, didn't I just already play this four times before? <laughs> you know, it's I think it's really really hard to appreciate that this is a either new. I mean, like obviously Kiwami is a different situation, but like Yakuza Six, like it's I feel like it's so hard to appreciate that this is a brand new game you know, a brand new project when you just look at it because it just looks like the Yakuza's we've already seen over and over again. And that's got to be such a tough thing for them to to make these games and keep that interest up when, when I mean, I understand why they look similar, but it, that's got to be such a hard thing to kind of handle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't know if I have a lot uh, of substance to add to that. Legitimately, I'm not just saying this to sound cool or to save face. I legitimately like the Yakuza series. 
I've bought a few iterations myself. I've received a couple as gifts. Uh, thank you, Neil, for him listening. Uh, he'll be jumping up and down for joy. He got a little plug there. Um, you know, he, I remember him surprising me with Yakuza 4. I'm getting Dead Souls shortly thereafter. Awesome gifts, awesome games. But the thing that's tricky is we've had everything from Yakuza 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 5 coming stateside digitally, I dare say, on 1231. I don't think 1231 is a filler date. I think that's the real date. Do you think, I mean, because I I said that it, I said that that was the date, and then I got a lot of people on Twitter telling me, no, 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 that's a filler date. So I don't know at this point. Well, uh, so let's, okay, let's say that thing hits January, just for whatever reason. Let's say it hits first quarter 2016, but let's say at some point we still get it. You know, we're still, for completionists out there, we're still missing at least two of the old school Jacuzzi games. There's one on PS3 back in the day, early on. There was another one they put out recently. There were the, was it the Black Panther or the Panther ones on PlayStation Portable? Yeah. There was a couple of those. I mean, I've already listed four Yakuza titles, two on PSP, the two, um, what is it, like the Edo period, uh, Ryuga, Gotoku games. There's four right there we're missing. I mean, I'm, without even trying. And now we have six coming down the pipeline announced for Asia. We're still waiting on five. And then there's the remaster. Yeah. I mean, holy it's, it's, moly. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, there's sometimes like these series is like, oh, what was it? Like Monster Hunter 4, I was at too. Or like we would just be getting one version when Japan was getting like the next version. And you get the kind of backlog of releases. And not to make excuses there. The only thing with Monster Hunter is usually when we finally do get it, it's usually the upped, the version on steroids that Japan is just getting. At this point, yeah, I think. But the, I think when it first started, like we were, we right. were just obnoxiously behind. Right. Japanese versions. Um, yeah. No, it's like uh, these games are weird for me because I've I own like I think two or three of them. I've never played any of them. Oh, you haven't and even I- popped them in. No, and I keep wanting uh, to. Uh, let but let like, me tell you. Let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, uh, Yakuza is interesting. I haven't beaten all of the Yakuza games I own, so let's get this on. Let's get this out there. I, I'm going to be honest, but cumulatively, I've put in over at least 20, 30 plus hours amongst the Yakuza games I've played. So I think that qualifies me to make some statements about the game. You know, there are some scenes and situations in Yakuza that are pretty jarring and like just really caught me by surprise. The reason I make a statement like that is, you know, it also tells me that it's so funny because, you know, you'll see websites, you know, angling news stories, like whether it be for sexism in games or whether it be for like a Grand Theft Auto, like, you know, I can't believe the violence in this game or I can't believe this type of product is out there. And I'm not trying to slam Yakuza right now. But it just comes to show you that, you know, everyone out there, everyone can't play everything because if everyone played everything, there would be even more stuff out there. And like, there were just a couple scenes I, I went through in Yakuza and I was like, holy shit. Like, and I'm not talking like someone's head getting blown open or brains hitting the screen. I'm not talking like Mortal Kombat X type stuff, but just 
there was like a scene. I think it was in Yakuza Four. Like you, you go back to the orphanage area that Kiryu Kazama like is the head of, and he's got the little girl there with him, who's like maybe a young teenager, or whatever. And then your former buddy comes out of prison, and there was a moment, as subtle as it was. I'm just saying this to put some perspective on this. There's a part where he there. I don't know if they were like wrestling or I don't remember it specifically. It was a couple of years ago, but it got to a point where he was on top of the girl and you could tell by the expression on his face or like he had very inappropriate thoughts of like of X, Y and Z with the girl under him because this was a man that had just gotten out of prison and he was with this underage girl. And I mean, it's stuff like, and like, obviously there was nothing you saw of grab, like just if you watch the cutscenes before it and then that scene that played out thereafter in the game, I was like, wow, like I can't remember any time ever in gaming when I saw something like that alluded to. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think the like the Yakuza series can get away with it though. I mean, because it is oh, that sure. kind of, it is that kind of like really gritty drama you know, they can do stuff that, like, a, most other games probably couldn't do. <laughs> also, uh, not really, I don't know if this would be considered a lighter note, but <laughs> <laughs> there was also a scene, uh, you come in on the scene, you bust into this place, <laughs> and a bunch of these other Yakuza slash businessmen were, like, uh, in diapers and crawling around on their knees and doing, like, that... Uh, partaking in that like uh, baby style fetish ah yes <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what i mean and like this is you know i'm not making this stuff up obviously like i'm just trying to put some perspective on this like i was saying you know the yakuza game i mean it's it's got some stuff in there and then it's uh, honestly it's a great game too but um yeah uh, you know, I messed around with Dead Souls a bit. You know, that's one of the lowest-rated Yakuza games. But you know, the bit I played with it wasn't—it um, wasn't bad. Hmm. Not bad. But yeah, but the problem now we're running into is that it's there, there's so many. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So uh, like, I mean, I would, I, I'd like to play them. It's just I don't. I guess I feel like at this point, like, can I even just jump in? Like, am I going to be okay if I get into like Yakuza Six? You know. Or do I have to play the first five? <laughs> I think that's why the problem is like, yeah, cause like I'm sure like a lot of people are like in my situation where they're they're afraid of that. They're like, you know, do I have to make this major commitment or will I actually be okay? And that's not the kind of thing you want to just buy a game and hope for the best for. Right. Let's see here. <clears throat> We've got. Uh, oh well, here's how about this little little fun topic, real quick. What did you think of this little announcement? PlayStation 4 accessories. The hard disk drive plates, multicolored, as well as the new colored uh, line of DualShock 4s. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't like the DualShocks. Um, it's so weird because it's like Apple colors and then old-timey video game transparency color, you know? Right. Because like, the, the, the controllers are so, like, I just feel like Apple to me because it's like gold... Silver and then like a space gray kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I want the the steel black. Which, I mean, they're not bad, but they're so different. I guess I guess they're like they're so mature that they're weird to me. Because we usually don't get controllers like that serious looking. Right. And it's funny because I just today got my twentieth anniversary 
DualShock 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 The one that like has the kind of light gray, dark gray color scheme of the original PlayStation controller. Right. And then the PS button actually has the colored PlayStation logo versus just the monochrome. <laughs> May I say a stupid statement on it? I picked up one of those as well. Not to brag. But you know what I find so ironic about getting that PlayStation 20th anniversary gray one and being so enamored with it? Hmm. If I'm being straight up with you, I remember back in the day of PlayStation 1 era where we had those controllers a dime a dozen, and I couldn't wait to get a different color. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now it's so ironic, like 20 years later, it's like, oh my god, I want that I want that original gray PS1 color back in my collection. And back in the yeah. day, I no, couldn't wait funny. to trade that up for white and crystal and anything red and green, you know. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, it's like so, I mean, the, the controller cords are weird, but like the the hard drive plates, like I feel like I've been saying it, other people have been saying it, like that since they came out, it's like why is Sony not making these things? Because they're so easy to take off and on, and that would be a perfect right. way to kind of customize your system. And then now they're doing the colors, and I'm actually excited because I was looking at they had some uh, like a Japanese webpage had some examples of like the different combinations you could do, and I have a white ps4 which i think works better with a lot of the color combinations and i saw like the blue and white and the pink and white and they they look kind of neat you know they look kind of like a you know future retro look it's crazy the accent the change on just that one piece makes a big difference yeah Uh, and i don't know why i always get drawn to this on my limited editions i did this for my xbox 360 but you know i'm kind of tempted i want the red hmm but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I think red and black would go good together. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so kind of a fun little announcement, and uh, I'd say we have maybe uh, there's three pieces left. I'll say here on uh, episode twelve, part two, we got three things left. I'd say. So how about this? Three things left. We'll start with the number three. Danganronpa three. Yes. Very. Um not very little i guess surprising but not surprising but surprising that it's coming to not only the vita but the ps4 and it's another question though it's kind of goes back to the persona thing right and and in a way yakuza is so what happens for people who haven't played parts one and two Mm. like are we going to get any kind of like a collection because there was at the end of the trailer, there was a and more. Oh, here we go. You know. Here we go, Agent Scully. So, yeah, but it's like. <laughs> well, I have the hair color for it and everything. Yeah. You know, so. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like if, if you're playing on the PS4, like, what do you do if you haven't played the first two? Because this is right. absolutely positively not the kind of series you want to <laughs> just jump into blindly. Right. But it's awesome. I mean, I mean. You know, it's completely not a surprise. Like, oh, a new Danganronpa. Yeah, we we expected that. Speaking of Danganronpa, did you pick up uh, Ultra Despair Girls a couple weeks ago? I I do have it. The problem being is I have not gotten all the way through Danganronpa 2. So in order to not spoil myself, I, I mm, want to get that right. beaten before I play Ultra Despair Girls. Dumbest question you're going to get the whole night. You enjoy Danganronpa? You think it's it's worth a? I, I mean, like I said, I don't want to judge too yet, but I loved, loved, loved Danganronpa one. Like the year it came out was that 2014. 
Yeah. I, I think I voted it my top game of the year. So here's my deal. I've got one and Ultra Despair Girl sitting on my shelf sealed. I just haven't cracked it open yet, but uh, you think it's definitely worth my time taking a look at that first one? Oh, released? one is one is. I guess I mean, I would say if I'm gonna say any kind of downside to it, is that I went into Dongan Rompa without um the huge amount of kind of expectation. And everybody telling me how good it was. You know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it was I've a been... pleasant surprise for you. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I've been waiting this for this for a while. Because I know we talked about it on Warning and, and stuff. You know, it'll it'll be exciting. I um, am curious to play it because it seems interesting. But it wasn't like the, oh, my God, you have to play this game because it's awesome. Yeah, you and, triggered and it, my memory. There was that controversy at the time, not to cut you off on Warning. I remember yeah. where it was being fan translated, I think, on PSP. And then the Vita version got announced. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, cool. So, like, uh, I, I think the problem might be that if you have this kind of expectation that it's going to be just this amazing thing and it's not quite what it lives up uh, living up to your expectations that could be a problem mm. well let's see we've got a uh, couple things left on tap here uh, we'll save the best for last but before we get to that we're going to have to uh, kind of get through a little bit of hell hmm okay well we all know mighty number no. nine has been delayed oh this but did you know that the Mighty Number no. Nine demo, which was slated for nine fifteen, has also been quietly delayed? And the humor here—I mean, there's a lot of humor here—but the first part of humor here is the demo was coming as an apology for the game getting delayed, <laughs> and then the demo gets delayed. Yeah, someone on the comments was saying something along the lines of, does that mean we're going to get an apology of the apology? Yes. <laughs> Are you going to get like a beta test for the demo yeah. as an apology uh, for the demo being delayed, which was an apology for the... I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about all this. I mean, it's just, I, I think I think they could have gotten away with a delay or two if they had better communication with the fans, if they were more open, if there was more of a positive customer service style experience back and forth between the fans and the uh, the reps and workers, I think it's as simple as that. I think if there was a better rapport and not as many quiet or sneaky things taking place, I think the fans would have been very forgiving. I think if they were kind of reassured along the way and were shown a little bit more like, hey, this is what's going on. You know, this is what's, you know, we're going to give you kind of a taste of this. We're being honest with you. I think they could have gotten away with it. But with all of the the uh, falling off the face of the earth, the quietness, uh, all of these delays, bad experiences between the Kickstarter, um, you know, the supporters and the workers, it's been a nightmare. So we were just saying earlier that... You know, a, a rushed game is a lot of be bad. A delayed game is right. Eventually, good. Uh, is this game eventually good? What do you think? 
Well, for those who don't know, and uh, Molly and I have kind of cheated, not really cheated, it's out there in the open, this isn't secret, it's on YouTube, at least one person got a hold of a demo, or the demo, and it's about a 16 minute video of which we've watched about half of prior to this recording. Did it look bad? No. I liked the soundtrack, some of the still art, some of the key art I enjoyed. A lot of the game itself still looked fairly bland and generic. Some of the character design did look like the classic style of Osamu Tezuka. Um, which, by the way, and I don't think it's a secret, Mighty Number no. 9 isn't that kind of loosely based off. Not based off, but like, uh, what, Cyborg 009? Yeah, I, I, you have to wonder. So, you know, there's a lot of... Well, because I think they've even gotten into like influences way back in the day when the Kickstarter started. But... So here's the deal. I'm not going to bury it just to, for the sake of negativity and to bury it. Does it look bad or horrible? No. It looks decent. I just think expectations are so high. And with the support that the title is receiving, it's a culmination of things. Between a bad taste in people's mouths, not liking what you know they've seen versus kind of the world that they've been promised. Um, you know... Trying to be as neutral and you know and fair on the topic as possible, it seems like it could be all right. It seems like there are some cards that they could still be hiding, but at the end of the day, do I think a lot of the the supporters are they going to be disappointed? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a really tough spot to be in. And then other things unre- not directly related to Mighty Number no. Nine, kind of the aura around KG and Afune and other projects rushing. You know, kind of his character and judgments people are making off his recent actions with the whole uh, Red Ash, with the anime debacle, the other Kickstarter, uh, Fuse, the other company stepping in from China, picking up some of the, the tab before his other product is even finished. It's. That was. I mean, it's. The- I think the whole thing has been just like a gigantic mess from the very beginning. And I mean, not from the beginning, that's not fair. But I think at a certain point where things just seemed like they were like not going the direction they should have been going. And the whole Red Ash thing, that I just feel like that never should have come out while Mighty Number no. 9 was still being worked on. Because no what way. are you going to think instantly? You're going to like, well, then. They must not be focusing on getting my number nine done because they're now wanting to make another game. You know, and you know what? I can't believe people were so desperate and so vocal for uh, Mega Man Legends Three. That community, I even, I you know, uh, I even have liked that Facebook page. What is it? It's like Mega Man Legends a hundred thousand and strong. I think. Like, there's so many people over the last few years, like cursing out Capcom, hating Capcom, begging for Legends to get re-released and to revitalize the Legends project. And now you would figure with Red Ash, which is a spiritual successor, successor, excuse me, that's a slam dunk. That's an immediate day one slam dunk. Just to show you how far that Inafune and team have fallen from grace in the last 12 to 18 months, they, they, didn't, they barely got half the, the bare bones funding for that project and it bombed. Yeah, like I said, if if my number nine had come out, it was great. 
and then they launched that, I think it would have been no problem at all getting funding. Like I said, I think people saw that, you know, and they're like, wait, you haven't even finished your first game yet. And I think people were just really upset and mad about that, and they didn't want to fund it. So I wasn't surprised when it didn't, you know, go all the way through. And I just, I have, I have just no faith in this game at this point, unfortunately. Hey, with how the internet works, you're going to have to educate me and answer this for me. With all of the people who were vocal and took a dump on Capcom for what they did with Mega Man Legends, now having seen firsthand how Inafune and uh, works, or you know, uh, the example he set forth with his last couple attempts. Uh, do you think all of those uh, negative people and naysayers will go back to Capcom and apologize? Oh, I think I think the problem is Capcom's been getting <laughs> crap from people from a long time oh, anyway. I know, I know, yeah. 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 You know how that works in life. Yeah, the negativity, yeah, yeah. it's easy to slam someone, but uh, when an apology is owed or to, you know, to kind of knuckle up and, and be the bigger person, yeah. But, you know, what's funny here is, and I know you're a fan of his, um... Hideki Kamiya, yes. you know, very vocal and outspoken member of Platinum Games. Like, isn't he the one who is... I don't. I love him. I don't know how he's still got a job, but yeah, I love him. Uh, yes. Hasn't he, like, numerous times commented about how uh, Inafune is just, like, a manager and not a game creator? I'll, I'll tell you the that? quote. I, I saw it. I'll, I won't forget it. Someone had... And he spoke about Inafune on his feet a couple times, but the one that distinctly stands out to me is he responded to someone saying... Keiji Inafune is a businessman, not a creator. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird, but you're starting to kind of feel like, wow, you know, maybe he was right on the money. And, and you know, Inafune is not the kind of creative god that I think some fans wanted to label him as. And I don't want to read too much into this, but... The thing with Kamiya that stands out with me and and uh, Inafune is, I follow his feed. Fair, I don't follow it as closely as I used to because there's way too much to keep up with. But of what I've seen, you know, Kamiya will never slam. Like, who knows how he really feels on the inside? Like, he may hate X, Y, and Z or have X feelings about X whatever company he used to work for. But you won't see him slam. Like, he'll be like, "Hey, if you ask me a question about this, blocked." Or, you know, whether he feels Devil May Cry went down the wrong path or not, you know, he will never disrespect, um, you know, Ninja Theory or, you know, anything like that. You know, Inafune is one of the only times that I recall where he ever spoke to someone like that. Yeah. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, people will try to stir up the pot asking him about Western products or certain things that you know are just bad, and he won't bite but he has talked about Inafune at least two or three times on there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that kind of puts some perspective on that to me. And then, uh, as they say, last but not least... Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, by by yeah. the way, uh, as Hideki Kamiya says, oh, I can't even count this. This is like how many zeros? <laughs> There's like... has to be at least like 35 zeros. So repeat, as I've told you, which letter you... <laughs> One and then like thirty five zero times, I'll block smash idiots immediately. You ready for this? This is random. So everybody knows that you know I watch Crunchyroll from time to time and this and that. First off, uh, I guess they'll get a free plug. I'm sure they don't listen to this. Well, you never know. They're pretty hardcore. So 
did you know that Crunchyroll has a podcast? I did not. I didn't either until recently. So I was going through my feed and looking through all the different sections. They have a show called The Crunchy Cast. And they're about 17 episodes deep. And there's two hosts. Uh, their name's not disrespecting them. I, I don't have them in front of me. There's a male and a female. It's a, a, a guy and a girl that host it. And the reason I'm bringing this topic up out of the blue is you just mentioned Kamiya and that style of tweet where, I'll, you know, if you ask me this, I'll block a bazillion times. So anyway, I followed both of those hosts off Crunchycast recently. And I was looking at the girl's feed. And I had a laugh because... She was talking to someone, and she said, if you ask me this question or whatever again, uh, you know, as I've said, and she did the same thing. But I had a laugh because someone else beat me to it, and they tweeted her and said, oh, like, you know, you're not Kamiya, or, you know, you must be a fan of Hideki Kamiya. <laughs> but um, I think they're based out of the San Francisco area or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the, po- the podcast isn't bad, and they also have, like, a video form of it because if you're on Crunchyroll – uh, in one of their weekly updated sections, the Crunchy Cats, you can actually watch them in the in the room slash office where they uh, film it. Hmm. So it's not bad. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. But uh, aside from that, last but not least, and I'm going to give you the platform primarily on this as we close out the latest edition of the Generic Video Game Podcast on the Morning Project Network of shows. What were your thoughts on not only Gravity Rush Remastered, but Gravity Rush 2, a.k.a. Gravity Days, overseas? This was, like, mixed because it's interesting that this comes out. I think it was, like, a week after I reviewed... Tearaway Unfolded. And Tearaway was a game I absolutely loved and adored on the Vita. And it was, for me, like one of those games that just stood out on the system and was a reason to buy it and play it. Um, and I I loved Tearaway coming to the PS4. I loved what they did with it. I think in, in some ways it was way, way better. some ways it was worse. Um, but the thing was, is just like, you know... <laughs> You know, everybody knows I'm like a die-hard Vita fan, and acknowledging and enjoying Tearaway on the PS4 almost kind of felt like I was betraying the Vita, because that really was just like one of the strongest Vita titles, and now it's like that game has been taken away from the system, and it's not right. in- as important anymore. So, you know, like to a week or whatever after I'm sitting there kind of like dealing with this weird feelings of betrayal in some ways of, of, of you know, liking Tearway Unfolded, Gravity Rush, the other, to me, like, the, one of the other super right. big games, the games that really made the Vita, that, that gave it its identity, one of those games is also now coming to the PS4. And it's like, the, the, it's like, it's like, it's like the, the Vita's like on the ground dying, and the PS4 walks by and then just kind of like, you know, bends over and like takes the, the Vita's wallet <laughs> and, you know, picks the pockets and like, okay, what what good do you have that, that is worthwhile, you know, and then just walks off. Like the PS4 is picking the scraps of the, the body of the Vita. I'm, I mean, you know, 
two years ago, we had a tease of Gravity Rush. And anybody with a brain kind of could think of the fact that it's probably going to come to PS4, not Vita. But the question was always, is it going to be a remake of the original Gravity Rush, or is it going to be Gravity Rush 2? But at that point, like, just doing a a Vita-only Gravity Rush sequel just did not seem to make sense. So, Sony announces that the original Gravity Rush is coming to PS4. And that was said. It There was part of me that didn't want to be excited, but I was definitely very, very excited about that. Because I think this is going to be a fantastic game, like, on the big screen TV, and, you know, just going to be beautiful, and I just want to play it again, period. Um, but then, I mean, like, completely unexpected. Like, I do not remember the last time this has ever happened. Is that they then announced a sequel at the exact same time. And that was just, like, so crazy to say, like, okay, here's a game, and then here we're already giving the sequel as well. You know, cause, because for anybody who doesn't know Gravity Rush, this is this is just, like, getting, you know, here's Metal Gear 5 and Metal Gear 6. <laughs> Have fun. I mean, that, that's, like, a crazy announcement for, for the PS4 owner who has never had a Vita and never known this game. But I'm super excited. The game... Uh, especially Gravity Rush 2 just looks so gorgeous and so crazy. And I've always, you know, had this really weird obsession with flying. Like, I constantly have dreams about being able to fly and stuff like that. And so, like, flying in games, when it's done right, is like, just, just it just draws me in very quickly. And Gravity Rush was so good about how um, the character Cat kind of manipulated gravity and could fly around and stuff. And so... Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be a lot of like just cramming the first two, you know, the first game and then the second game, depending on when we get Gravity Rush two. But I'm super excited. And I'm going off memory. I believe uh, Gravity Rush, the remastered version, hits Japan December 10th. We get it February 9th, 2016. And then I think Gravity Rush two may be slated for sometime later in 2016, possibly. Yeah, I don't know if they said the exact date or not, but I know um, it's interesting because the European position blog mentioned the game, Gravity Rush 2. They didn't, like, some people kind of thought that they, they announced it for Europe. I don't think they have. Uh, they just kind of mentioned that it exists, but the American side did not mention it exists. All they mentioned was the remaster. Oh, like what? Like it's not officially coming here yet? Yes. So they didn't oh, just say, but they didn't say anything about the game. But the, the thing is, is so people were worried because they were saying, well, Europe announced it and America didn't announce it. Europe didn't announce it for Europe. They just said, mm. and there's also Gravity Rush 2 coming uh, in the future. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it's, still, it's still TBA 2016 for Japan. Uh, I know you are uh, pretty much vehemently against collector's editions, but did you happen to catch the gravity? Oh, yeah, you know where I'm. Uh, it's like <laughs> like one of my few weaknesses, figure wise, are figmas. And I don't know why, because they aren't like the best in the world. But uh, you know, I do have I'm looking at it right now. I have my Igus and my Chie and my Yukiko from Persona <laughs> figmas. So for those who don't know, there's a limited edition version of Gravity Rush coming out in Japan December 10th with a cat figure, correct? Yeah, with a little yeah. cat. How much, uh, how much is the limit? I'm, I'm being serious. How much is the limited on that? About 100 bucks? 
That's a good question. I don't know offhand. I don't know. I'll have to check that out. Do you think there might be a chance, um, not that we won't have enough to play through the holidays, but you think there might be a chance that that Japanese release might be bilingual so close to the North American is what I'm thinking? Mm, I don't think so. I'm not certain, but I wouldn't hold my breath for it. Yeah. Every 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 once in a blue moon, the Japanese version will be Japanese, and then sometimes the Asian version will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's like one of the things that like really made me mad because um, there was the game. Oh, it was a Japanese RPG. What do they call it over here? It was like uh, over my dead body. Something like that, like an RPG. We talked about it on Warning a number of times, and they they did finally bring it out in America, but they only brought it out here. It's for Vita. Now they brought it here digitally. Oh. But when it came out in Asia, they did do a very limited physical release, and I I got mad because I really wanted that, and I forgot. I I just kind of missed out on getting it, and so. But that's, I mean, that's like, that's where back in the day, like, you'd get your, a lot of the, um, like, Neo Geo Pocket games from and stuff like that, because the Asian versions were in English. I had thrown in the towel uh, long before that, even though I loved the system, but in hindsight, looking back, yeah, I can't believe how many titles we missed, and then, yeah, you're right, ones that were in English. It's kind of how crazy. Is, how has there never been, because uh, I've gotten the figment the thought, how has there never been a Bayonetta Figma? Because, like, I mean, like, if you know anything about the Figma line, like, they look, so for people who don't know, Figma is a line of Japanese figures. They're about, uh, like, eight inches tall or so, and they're very articulated. So you can put them in a lot of poses and stuff. And the mm. thing about the Figmas is, like, there's just tons and tons of them, and they will make them for anything. Like, I mean... I remember a couple of years ago they had like Transformer Figmas and um, that I've got Persona ones and they've had like uh, Samus and Link and Attack on Titan characters and they have like I'm looking at Pit and Hatsune Miku and Solid Snake. So they have like just Indiana Jones. They have like just tons and tons of Figma characters. And I'm really shocked they've never had a Bayonetta one. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that particular style. I'm sure you've seen, as well as everyone else, Some I've seen some of the high-end Bayonetta statues, which I just have to close the internet browser when <laughs> I see them. You know, I keep, I've keep i said this before time and time again, and there's absolutely nothing wrong being into that. I mean, there's some beautiful collections out there, and you can get those nice display cases, but... You know, with all the gaming, the manga, you know, some a lot of that stuff, which I'm obviously still heavily vested into, you know, I, I've had to throw in the towel on some other things, you know. Um, it just becomes too much. No, I know. mean, like, figures are a dangerous, dangerous territory, and I, I stay out of them as much as possible. But, like, Persona has been my kind of weakness whenever I've broken down. Oh, I forgot I mean, that there also is, like, for example, there is a Goggle 13... Duke Togo figure. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Don't don't start looking because once you start looking, you know, every yeah. time I think I'm done with art books or I'm I'm done with a certain thing for a while, every time I turn around, 
You know, this. I'll, I'll tell you right now, for fans, um, I saw a pre-order up on PlayAsia.com for October 10th, and I believe it's the Japanese rendition. I was surprised because of how cheap it was. An art book uh, for Splatoon. Hmm. And it was only tw- uh, $29.99. But, you know, I, I, every time I turn around, I see something else. You know, I haven't put the pre-order in. But for those listening, you definitely want to check it out because the art in Splatoon is pretty awesome. I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty weak to um, art books, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I always love Even though my personal artistic uh, qualities, I, on a scale of 1 to t- – or on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a zero. I mean, for someone that loves it as much as I do, I have absolutely zero talent when it comes to that. I mean, I am just, I mean, I can't do much more than stick figures. But I love looking at, you know, great art, cool art. And um, I always, I think a lot of the reason I got into like a lot of the art books too is because I always like looking at a lot of the stuff in sketch form or kind of along the way, you know, the whole process that goes into it before the final product. So I think that's a lot of what I like. And you get to see a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff and stuff that you would normally never think of or you kind of get into that, tri- you know, like uh, what the creator is thinking uh, mm-hmm. in those type of books, you know. But I've got – I have, you know, I have way too much of that shit. <laughs> it's yeah. – I mean, it's it's easy. It's easy to go on this road because, like, once you buy your first one, then you're like, well, I've already got one. So, I mean, there's no reason for me to not have two. Yeah. And then you have two, and you're like, well, now I have kind of these, you know, two books from the same series. Like, I need to get another one. And then you're like, well, I'll, now all I've got is books from this one series, and that looks bad, so I need to get a book from something else. And also, you know, everyone out there knows probably by now that I'm an addict. So uh, I'm going to throw this out there for a future uh, episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. And while this isn't coming from Molly and myself, our minds, and she has absolutely no idea where I'm headed with this, um... Because I have no control, when I was at work today, I was looking at my Facebook and, you know, we've talked about Edge Magazine on here and Games TM and all that stuff in the past. Uh, I love this type of controversial stuff, especially when it's coming from a uh, a high quality, uh, you know, publication. I believe it's Edge. They just put up for pre-order. It's going to ship September 24th from the UK. It was about 20 bucks. Uh, I used to love when Next Gen would do this. They're doing the top 100 video games of all time. Ah. So when I get that, I, realistically, I probably won't get that till October. But at some point, I, I don't know if we'll go. I won't go through all 100. But uh, if you would like, I would love to go over some of that with you on the air because and see what we agree or disagree with. Uh, I always loved. I mean, that's that's always a surefire way to stir controversy, arguments, and uh, you know. Yeah, as as somebody who works for magazines who has done those kind of lists, um, <laughs> it's a it's a really yeah it's a funny situation. Like I mean, even just like internally, like making those lists, like the process that we go through to make. I mean, even because you know we for a while we're doing a, t- a top twenty list in every issue, and it, it you know you you would have people go through and and make nominations. And then you'd have to give, go through the entire list and then give, you know, you had like a certain amount of each kind of level of point to give out to, to games. 
So you had to get out those out, and then the ones that got the, the highest amount of points were then the semifinalists. And then you'd go through like a second round of voting where you would actually kind of you wouldn't say like exactly like what you'd have your top one to be in top twenty to be in whatever, but what we would do is is say, um, okay, for sixteen to twenty you get you know five votes, for eleven to fifteen you get five votes, you know, for for six to ten, and then we had to give those five votes to games, and then that would determine which games got into a preliminary listing. So that we at least know, okay, what games are in each kind of block, and then we'd have to go through and argue about each specific block and like what goes wow. where. And then that, that and that that's just for like top twenty. But I mean, we had how many do we have? Like seven. We had seven editors like voting on on that the entire process. Do any arguments ever break out? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, not like not like fist fights or anything, but you know, um, you'd have like somebody who. Like, I remember, I think, like, one year, like, the top five... Okay, let's... Yeah, so this one was a best of the year, and it was, like, there was uh, Skyrim and a Batman and Dark Souls and a couple <laughs> others. So it was, like, okay, mm. what goes in top, you know? And somebody really, really wanted Skyrim, but then other people were being, like, well, Skyrim's kind of broken right now, so it's, it feels weird for us to, you know, right. give it that vote so yeah it's like a lot of like just back and forth kind of fighting and arguing over over what goes where and then kind of compromises like okay if we put this game here and then this game here would you be okay with that so it's a really (laughs) crazy process right well it'll be good to stir the pot uh, when that arrives, I, you know it caught my attention because I just haven't seen a a publication dedicated to that solely in so long you know? Yeah, I mean, like, we but, did, uh, like, for one of our most recent EGMs, it wasn't that, but we did uh, the top 100 games we were looking forward to in 2015. Wow. And so we had to... Uh, and what was really funny was, like, in the week um, before it went... Or the final week we had before it went to the printer. So this is this is the week where we're supposed to be just proofing everything, you know, making sure it was cool stuff. Like five games from our list all got pushed to to the next year. <laughs> May I guess? And I haven't seen that issue quite yet. Can I guess off the top of my head what number one got? So uh, hang on a second. Let me let me see if I'm gonna move away from the mic for a second. Uh, right. Okay. Yep. I have it right here. So it, okay. So what it was was it was a 2015 preview issue. This came out so kind of beginning of the year. So this was our yeah our our idea of the top one hundred games we were anticipating for this year. So okay, so let's let's do this. So we said so we ended up taking out um, games that at the time so this was done in May. So at the time we took out any games that had gotten delayed until 2016. So as of May, what did we think? the top 10 games we would be anticipating for 2015 were. Now, I'm going to say this from the mindset of uh, not so much your mindset or my personal one. I'm just going to say because you've got a group of people and having to adhere to compromise and just thinking off the, without 
thinking too hard. Number one, I'm going to say Fallout 4. No, because this was this was pre E three. Okay, so they did. Okay, okay. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even revealed yet. I'm gonna say Batman Arkham Knight. You are dead on. It, it was Arkham Knight. <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot has changed because May, and depending on when they hit press, either this game just came out or not quite yet. I'm gonna say in the top ten. Splatoon. Splatoon was number nine. Yeah. So, so not not bad so far. So you have yeah. uh, eight, eight more to go. Oh Jesus! Um, it's like a month. And, and I will tell you. I will tell you. I will give you a hint. Um, one of these games absolutely was delayed until 2016. Oh. And yeah, then okay. one. And then one game. May end up being 2016. We don't know. I remember this game in my mind getting delayed very early in the year, but maybe it wasn't quite yet. So you ready for the next one? Okay. Um, Zelda. That was in there, but that was one that got delayed before we went to press. Okay. So we took it out because that was going to be. Because I think originally we had number one was Zelda and number two was Uncharted 4. And oh, we I had know. to we had to super last minute bump both those games. Okay, I got another one. Uh, Witcher three. Witcher three is. I'm gonna say num- number five. Ooh, I was gonna say four. Okay, yep, number five. Uh, so we wiped out how many of the top ten have I wiped out? Four, maybe. Uh, three. You've gotten Batman, Witcher three, and oh, Special. I know one because it didn't get. Oh, are you ready? Okay. Persona five. It was in there. Yes, that was the one that we have that got delayed. Um, what position was it? Well, it should have been number one or two. But <laughs> let's see. Um, see, uh, it's not so much. I'm not thinking of, of you and I. I'm right. thinking of the staff. Seven. Exactly. Yep, number seven. Okay, so so far you've gotten number one, which was Batman. Number five, which was Witcher. Number seven, which was Persona. And number nine, which was Splatoon. What the hell? Boy, I don't know if I don't know if this is even... Why would this even be on the list, but... God, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, here, let me, let me, let me, let me correct something. Yep. This was not done in May. I'm sorry. That was the actual when the issue would be off shelves. So this was done literally at the very, very beginning of the year. So before we had really played anything or gotten anything. Oh, okay. Wait. Uh, two of them just hit me. They're very mainstream. Two just hit me to fill two slots. Halo 5. Which slot? It's within the top five. Which ones of the top five have I already eaten up? You've eaten up number one and number... Okay, I know what I'm going to um, do. Five. On. To make this game go smoother. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> so we got... So you have... Okay, so, so far you have number one, which is Batman. Right. You have number five, which is Witcher. Mm-hmm. You have number seven... Which is Persona. 
Okay. And number nine, which is Platoon. Okay, so we got Halo 5 in there. I'm going to say Halo 5 comes in at eight. Not too far off. So this was a little bit of a controversial one. Um, we actually have it at 10. Okay, my, my reasoning for that, and I, 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 I'm not cheating. I, I've never been in that room. I've never been in this conversation. Halo 5, I'm going to say, got pushed down because while it has a lot of fanfare and hoopla behind it, uh, they feel it's another sequel, and there's other stuff that's going to get a chance above it. And this, we don't have, like, super confidence in 343 yet. We need to see, like, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it actually was originally, it was off the top 10, but then when Uncharted and Zelda got bumped, it had to move up. Okay, the next one, what about uh, Call of Duty? That is not in the top 10. Ooh. Ooh, I got faked out on that one. Mm, what else have people been playing? Oh, I know. It's, you know what? Uh, Bloodborne. Bloodborne is on there. What number? Bloodborne's going to be number six. It was number four. Ooh. All right. Let's see. What about... Um, I don't think this was announced yet at this point in time, and I don't think it's worthy of top ten, but I'm going to say four to six. Nope. Let's see. we got one, two, three, four, five. got four spots left, and no Call of Duty. And I'm going under the assumption that Madden is also not on there, I would hope. No, of course. Yes, of course not. So, um... What the hell else is left? There's no Fallout. That's a biggie. Oh, you know what? Um, Super Mario Maker. Nope. Did we say... Did we... Uh, ex- and we already got Splatoon on there. Yeah. Let's see. Does this encompass downloadable games as well? Yes, it can. Oh, it does. Oh, that's what's going to kill me. So... Well, I mean, I... Um... But none of the games I would expect to be download only. What was that one on uh, Xbox that was kind of artsy with the character and its dog? That wasn't announced until E3. Was it? Uh, oh, really? And that's, I think, next year. That's, that's next year. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll kind of make like a family feud thing. I need a... I'm going to use like a get out of jail card or something. Get, throw me a bone. Give me. We got four slots left. We got number two, three, okay. six, and eight. Yes. Give me uh, number eight. Number eight. Uh, okay. Think, think Call of Duty, but maybe think a little more interesting and maybe think a little more um, uh, unexpected and not a yearly franchise. Actually, this is more fun with your hints. <laughs> what the hell could be an FPS that's more interesting? And I'll give you a really, really weird hint. Um, it has a tiny connection with Street Fighter V. This is an FPS? Yes. It has a, it's in it has the connection it has with Street Fighter Five. We have discussed tonight on this podcast. Oh Jesus! 
Oh, uh, doesn't know how to count. Oh, uh, Borderlands. No, there's no new Borderlands this year. Holy Jesus. This is amazing. <laughs> okay, so to keep this to keep the rhythm going, so we're going to pass on 8. I'm going to say All right, I'll, 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 all right, uh, let's see. Then we'll come back to it. Okay, okay. Give me the hints uh, number 6. Um number 6 is so we talked earlier about oh, what I don't remember what game it was, but like why you would want one thing when the better thing is around. You know, like if 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 you could um Oh, like it would uh like Persona standing on its own, it's it's still gonna maintain its uh need, its spot because there's nothing else to replace it. Kind yeah, kinda like I mean, you know or or if if you if you have a good burger joint right near you, you're not necessarily going to go for the kind of lesser burger. Um, and that I think it was that thinking that made the company publishing this game make a pretty major decision in how it was being released. Oh, this can't be. No, I'm way off. Which 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 then actually <clears throat> didn't end up mattering after all. Wow, I got no idea. I don't know why I was going to say Resident Evil Revelations 2. Hmm. And then the other two games, there's one game you absolutely positively should have guessed already. And the final game is a game you might not guess. Well, I don't think... Well, yeah. It's a a game that uh, I think... Um. Uh, maybe is more suited for women. In a very bizarre clue. Is there a new mist coming out? And by the way, anybody who's listening to this, still like you can just turn us off at this point. You know, <laughs> this is us just goofing around. And this, I, I was so proud of the show, and now I've, I'm nose diving it. Um. Because I, I think we were going to talk about Konami, but I think we'll talk about them next time. So. Oh. What, Metal Gear Solid Five. I I was just going to say that's a gigantic clue to you there. Jesus. Yes, what number that was, did that come in at? Number three. All right. Um. So we got we got number two, six, and eight left, and eight I'm stumped on. What are some hints on number two? Um. Hmm. 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 Vodka. Vodka. Yeah, I'm just giving the most obscure like clues. Uh, endless. Um. Gone before. Oh Jesus. <laughs> uh the, the the developer's previous game would never have hinted that they were gonna make this game. It may or may not be two thousand fifteen. Oh boy. 
Well, I mean, uh, from that cryptic, I- I'm thinking something from Vanillaware, but th- I know that's not the case. Because even the Odin Sphere remaster didn't get announced till later in the year. I mean, it, it is it is a hard game to guess. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not shocked because it's kind of one of those games that, like it's one of those games that, like no man would ever kind of guess. You know? Oh so. boy, there we go. <laughs> is that really what number is that? Is that number two? That's number two. No Man's Sky. Yeah. Number two. I mean, look, I'm not. Wow. Yeah, no, that was a... Talk about high hopes. Speaking of high, you see see things in the sky sometimes. Um, Things that could have connections to uh, Japanese pro wrestlers. To Japanese (laughs) pro wrestlers? Yes. Japanese pro wrestlers that happen to fight in Street Fighter V. What in the world? <laughs> I wonder if those people like yelling at the podcast right now. What in the world? Japanese wrestlers that fight in Street Fighter Five. Well, what Japanese wrestlers fight in Street Fighter Five? Well, the uh, of Rainbow Mika, right? Okay. She's got a tag team partner. Looks like it fell out of Rumble Roses. If there's not. A Call of Duty game in this slot, but there's a game kind of similar. What would it be? Holy, how are we getting from? I'm gonna have to give this to you, aren't I? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What is this? Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Siege. Oh, we would have never. I. We would have been here for the whole week. <laughs> we, we. Wow. Not in a million years. Which leaves slot eight. No, no, that, that was slot eight. So we're oh, in that slot was six. eight. So we got six left. Yes. So just real quick for those of who, those who haven't uh, jumped off the top of a building by now, <laughs> we got number one at Batman, number two No Man's Sky, three MGS five, number four Bloodborne, five Witcher three, six is uh, we're still to be determined, seven Persona five, eight Rainbow Six, nine Splatoon, and number ten Halo five, which leaves the one empty slot. Pretty much smack dab in the middle of 2015 most wanted as a first quarter this year. Slot number six. And to reuse a clue, it's a slot that no man could ever fill. Mm, only a woman? Oh. Uh, Tomb Raider. There you go. Tomb Raider. Ms. Lara Croft. Yes, I do enjoy the modernized Lara more than the uh, old school one. Although I had so much fun at the Idos booth with the booth babes back in the day when Idos was printing money. That's a topic for another day and another episode. But sadly, uh, sadly, we had uh, Silent Hills at fifteen. <laughs> which oh, is really? Now, really? She's now dead. Um, wow. Call of Duty was down at 24 since you asked about wow. that. Wow, wow. Uh, oh, DMC Devil May Cry Definitive Edition, 22. Holy moly. Might number 9, 29. <laughs> Boy, that was a mistake, wasn't it? Ooh. Uh, oh, Severed. Severed looks really, really good. 
Um, Tales of Zestiria at 39. Wow. Star Fox at 36. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Well, I'm surprised Star Fox was on the list because I didn't know. It wasn't really clear at that point in time. Wow. Um, Resident Revelations 2 was 41. Mario Maker was 45. Let's see. Um, what about. Uh, I don't think this is. Well, what about Gears of War Ultimate Edition? I don't even know if that was announced then. I wonder. I don't. No, that wasn't announced at this point. Yeah. What about. Uh, uh, just to fill a sh- slot, they got Assassin's Creed on there? Yeah, the Assassin's Creed was it's actually looking not so bad compared to like other versions recently. Um, where was that? That was right up here. I just saw it. Uh, Twenty-five. Mm. Steins Gate was fifty-six. Whoa. Yakuza five fifty-eight. Oof. Uh, let's see. Final Fantasy Type Zero HD was sixty-five. <sighs> Persona 4, Dancing All Night, 71. <laughs> um, uh, Puzzle and Dragons in Super Mario Bros. Edition was 76. Oh, poor Phantom Dust. Phantom Dust was 78, and that's dead now. Dead as in not to be released? Yes. Oh, it got canceled? Yep. Oh, wow. Sky 5 was 82. Etrian Mystery Dungeon was 87. Which is Atelier Charlie was 91. Mm. Um, and then Godzilla, of all things, was 97. Wow. J-Star's Victory VS Plus, 99. And coming in at slot 100, Hatsune Miku Project Mirai DX. Whoa. So. Wow. For all the two listeners who will find that enthralling. <laughs> Well, but you know what? They got like what, like three some hours of content from us. So. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, we're, it's probably going to clock in at a grand total of just over three and a half hours, uh, two and a half on tonight's recording, one hour on the previous. Want to thank everyone for listening. We'll do one final uh, sign out here uh, on behalf of Molly and myself, Anthony. Check us out online at twenty four bit A J E. Check out Molly online at Molly Pen M O L L I P E N. The main site at radio.morningproject.com. Find out all the latest from the Nichiest podcast. Had a couple brand new uploads in the last couple weeks. The latest from Generic Video Game Podcast, as well as other classic episodes of Warning. And uh, don't forget to check out Molly on yet another show on Smart Video Game Fan. You can find that via a Google search. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and pretty much wherever podcasts are found. We thank you for all of the comments, positivity, uh, kind words and thoughts you send our way, whether it be via Twitter, comments on the site. It's always a welcome and appreciated. So with that, want to thank everyone once again. And we will probably be right back at you within the next uh, maybe three to four weeks. And if all goes well, it'll be time for the DLC pack number three featuring Terry Wolfinger part two. And until next, yeah, so we got all that out of the way. Thank you once again, Molly, for the time and going into the weekend and on the closing out on the final day of TGS. We're there in spirit. And until next time, thank you, GBGP fans.